0: This podcast is brought to you by the Amateurs Fantasy Sports Network.
1: And welcome to probably one of the most anticipated episodes of the NRL fantasy amateurs preseason series, studs or duds tonight, boys. It's the highlight of the the off season, and we've just we've just been chatting off air for about twenty minutes. Uh, so the bad news is uh, we're all fantasy out, and we're not going to bother recording the episode.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Love you guys. <laughs> love you guys. Boys, oh, all boys. Look
2: off here, don't we? It's such such a shame.
1: Yeah, we've actually we were just absolutely cooking. So, you know, absolutely no doubt in my mind, this is going to be a, a terrible episode now because we just wasted all our good gear. But um, so, for those of you that don't know, Studs or Duds, basically uh, we go through the highest owned players in the game. So, typically we do everybody that's over ten percent ownership at the time of recording, uh, which is immediately after the end of the trials on Sunday, twenty fifth of February, leading into the first of two TLTs, which is going to be happening on Tuesday. Uh, So we got, I don't know how many players we got. We'll just go through them all and we'll see how we go. Um, number one on the list, Nathan Cleary, the only player over fifty-one percent, over fifty percent ownership. He's fifty-one point three. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the number one projected scorer from the amateurs for this year. Boys, lock him in, vice uh, in in your captain slot. Uh, Any uh, any objections to that? Do you want to? Do you want to? Ryan, maybe start with you. Do you want to talk about Nathan Cleary or we all know how good he is and, and we can move on?
0: Yeah, I don't think uh, anyone needs us to tell you how good Nathan Cleary is. Um, yeah, he scored 60 in the, uh, in the World Club Challenge today and a loss. So just, just warming up. Um, but, yeah, no, look, he's the, un- he's the undisputed king of fantasy at the moment and the safest captain choice, I think, for round one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, Rob, I uh, I went through and I put together this uh, article on our website for brand-new players that have never played fantasy po- before. And we used to have the rule number one, which was by Cameron Smith, Captain Cameron Smith, uh, back in the good old days. Uh, but now, obviously, by Nathan Cleary, Captain Nathan Cleary seems to be rule number one. And, um, you know, the important thing is since 2020, he's – Total average over the four seasons is over 72 points per game, which is just absolutely monstrous. So you really just got to get him in.
2: Yeah, he's phenomenal. I I think he did score a try in the World Cup challenge, um, but he was still really good, and they got a lot of bad calls against them. So, yeah, I think start with him. Um, There's a bit of an injury cloud around Nico Hines. I'm sure we'll talk about him later, but there really is no other person I'd even consider putting the captaincy on for round one. So, Locking yeah, in. absolutely. Yeah, no, it just just even the stats are really telling. Uh, he
1: scores at least 50 points in 89% of games over the last four years, which is just absolutely massive. Uh, normally it used to be 55 to 60 was a gun captaincy score. Now if they're not getting 70 to 100 on a weekly basis, you're disappointed. And yeah, that just that reliable floor. He did open last season with a 61 and 37 uh, and then went on a buy, which obviously frustrated a lot of people. But you just got to buy him and captain him and, and sort of don't ask any more questions. Particularly given we got to lock our captains in nice and early before we even have a team list. There's nobody more reliable than Nathan Cleary. The second most highly owned player here is actually uh, it's an interesting one because he's somebody who technically is in a in a battle for his jersey. Uh, Robin that's Ko Weeks uh, just finished up his game uh lost to the mighty cowboys, but you know that'll happen to the best of us. Forty two almost percent ownership. He's a 252k half wing fullback, dual position eligible player. Uh obviously if he doesn't start in the five eight in round one, he'll uh he he won't be in, in the team. But you know, short of that, is there any reason that you wouldn't start with KO Weeks?
2: No, I think he's going to be, he might be the only Raider cheapy we get. We'll probably get Kotrick as well. But uh, I just think between the jewel and the more likely to get 5'8 um, over his other half, strange, um, he's going to be in a lot of teams. And I, I don't know if he's going to set the world on fire, but he seems safe enough for now. And he's really, really cheap. And I think I'm okay with starting with him probably the only Raider I've got like 100% locked into my team at the moment.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Ryan, uh, it seems like Weeks has maybe put on a little bit of weight and, and you know, defending in the front line, there should be an intrinsic value in the base of those sort of 15 to 20 tackles and, you know, 50 to 100 run metres a game plus the kick metres and attacking involvements. Is he somebody that you trust in your scoring 17 or are you maybe looking at him as like an 18th man type guy?
0: Uh, I mean preferably you wouldn't want to trust him in year 17, but uh, it's it's going to depend on the wing fullback options we end up getting, I suppose. like we've already lost uh, Jaden Campbell if you don't want to risk it with Keene, um you, you could be stuck running weeks weeks in your uh, wing fullback. It's not optimal, but if it allows you to improve your squad elsewhere then you know you can accept it for the short term, but yeah I, I wouldn't be expecting more than low 30s um, most weeks.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, normally, obviously, we would be targeting uh, a centre at this price with a low 30s average. Uh, so it's just as simple as substituting that for the wing fullback. And, obviously, we've got a couple of gun centre options we can have a look at. So maybe it's just as simple as taking the label off and putting it on a different bottle for this year. And and that's just how we got to deal with it. Moving to the third highest owned player, it's actually uh, – there's a few interesting ones here. Ryan Pappenhausen, Ryan, oh, uh, your namesake.
0: You've, you've skipped someone. You've skipped the other 42% owned player. Did I? Yeah, Payne Haas. Oh, Ooh. I'll
1: tell you what. It's because I only had players isolated by watch list, so I haven't. Uh, I wasn't looking at players that I there's no chance of me buying, so that's why I miss Payne Haas. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Payne Haas, 42.7% ownership, Ryan I don't know. I don't really know what's going on here. Obviously, people are just looking for, a, I guess, a dependable vice captaincy option that's playing in Vegas that can be the only rationale I see. I have him. You know, we've got him uh, lo- losing money uh, from the from the jump on our website. Uh, we've sort of discussed him at length. Obviously, he's a, a a strong sort of point of contention. I think we're starting to get a couple of people over the line, but maybe not as many. Still at forty two point seven percent.
0: Yeah, it seems like it's come down a little bit. I remember he was closer to 45 like a week or two ago. So it does seem to be coming down a little bit. But, no, look, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I think people are just locking in that brand name. Obviously, it was awesome last year, but you're paying full freight for him. And how many players can you afford to pay full freight for when you're – say that 10 times fast um, – like when you're already paying a million for Cleary, you're going to front up nearly another 900K for K, uh, K for Haas, and you're not really getting much value out of either of those two players – um yeah I I just think there are better options but I I guess I can also understand people who don't want to take the risk. Um he doesn't have a buy before origin I suppose that's a tick in his column but yeah for me I'm just not spending up on Haas.
1: Yeah, I mean Rob I I obviously agree with everything that Ryan said. Do you have a different opinion or you're same same as us?
2: No, I completely agree. I think it's the it's the it's the Vegas, it's the security of knowing that he's going to lock and he's going to do well. I think also a point to think about from what happened last year. Obviously, he was, we, we got him at a little bit of a discount last year because he was, oh, something happened. Did he get injured at the end of 2022? Yeah, something happened sh- anyway. Yeah, he had a couple of those AC like Jones. ankle
1: Yeah, he sort yeah, of went yeah, off. So he started job,
2: yeah. at about 805, and then he just put out like seven in a row games of 63 plus. Uh, so he was just phenomenal to start last year and then he made he he got up all the way up to 900k so but this year you're paying you are paying full freight as ryan said so he really has to be doing that week on week to, to even to, to hold value and that's just not a great way to construct your team unless you weren't going to run clary which would be an equally insane thing to do i just i i can't really see it either to be honest
1: yeah no it's definitely uh, like there's room in your team for one guy one high-end scorer who is just trustworthy and you know and you really want to make your vice captain somebody who still also has a little bit of value just to maximize the cash making we saw one of the teams uh it was actually shout out to cooper uh i felt i felt uh bad about it he um he messaged me. We mentioned him on the pod last week, I think maybe. Um, who he? He was the team in the top that came in the top five that didn't start with Cleary. He's actually a good friend, follower of the show, uh, and he messaged me to thank me for the shout out. But I actually didn't know it was him that was that was the team. So I, I didn't have a label on it. So shout out to Cooper. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he started with Murray as his captain, uh, vice captain as his uh, captaincy option last year, and then picked up Cleary. So, you know, we, we don't advocate to do that, but you definitely are looking for that, you know, maximum one guy that's going to hold his value, definitely not two. Moving on to Ryan Pappenhausen at number four, 38.3% ownership. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, conjecture in our group, um, you know, with the, uh, the the group chat that we've got with the, uh, the boom or bust conglomerate. Uh, Mitch, obviously, our uh, physio in the group very concerned about the injuries and his ability to perform. He, we saw that he wasn't kicking goals in the trial. It was Nick Meany. Nick Meaney's a great goal kicker. Rob, do you have any concerns about Ryan Pappenhausen's ability to, you know, put those high-end performances in and especially not without the goal kicking?
2: Uh, I think he's priced at enough value for it not to matter too much. I think it would have been really good if he was goal kicking and I'm not convinced he won't be still. I, I just think there was just a lot of crazy stuff going on with goal kicking over the trials. I know uh, we've had some discussions about this uh, between us, but this is really the time to start risky guys like Peppenhausen. I think Uh, if he gets hurt, um, that's fine. We can, we can move him on. It's only one trade, but he could be, excellent and we know he is excellent when he when he does play and when he's on the paddock and Mm. i think this guy's just the limit for him um it's it's a little bit lower without goal kicking you know because we know that storm are gonna score a lot of tries and he's gonna be involved in a lot of them but Mm. i just think with the skinniness of wing fullback this year who else are you getting if you don't get pap you know he's so much value and it's more that's probably more of a a tick in the column for Pappenhausen for mine is the, if you don't have him, then, then who else are you getting? Are you getting Ponga? Mm. Are you getting Tom Turbo? Um, I just think, I think it's worth a risk. I think it's the risk reward and I much prefer it than not.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at the position in my mind, Pappenhausen is one of only three guys at wing fullback that's capable of averaging 60. And the other two are Ponga and Turbo. And Pappenhausen is 495K and Turbo's 675 and Ponga's 760. So, you know, from, for me, uh, it, you know, the downside is a mid 40s average for Pappenhausen in my mind in that Storm team. If he was playing for the West Tigers, I probably would have less interest. But just given the team that he plays for, his upside. Uh, and, and all of that sort of stuff. Ryan, is, is that the way you feel about it as well?
0: Yeah, I do. And, uh, like, he doesn't need to be a keeper for him to be a buy. And I think you can also factor in, like, he's got the buy in round four. Let's say he sucks out the gate, like he's bad in the first three rounds. We'll, we'll have Jaden Campbell back by then. He'll be about the same price. Easy swap for him um, when he's on the buy in round four. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, exactly right. Uh, now, boys, the next one here... Um so that'd be I guess he's the fifth highest player on the list is Josh Curran at thirty six point three percent. And I have to imagine that this ownership percentage is a relic of teams that made a team before the trials and haven't sort of made the 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 being water adjustment. Yeah, you know, Ryan, we talk a lot about being water and, and seeing how things go in the trials and sort of making adjustments where it makes sense. Obviously, we're not talking about overreacting, we're talking about appropriately reacting. And Josh Curran coming off the bench and Jamin Salmon playing big minutes at lock two weeks in a row is fairly intuitive to, you know, how the Bulldogs see that rotation happening. Um, I know you uh, have been pretty vocal about, you know, being the resident uh, anti-Josh Curran guy in our group. Uh, your your stance on that hasn't changed. It's probably just gotten gotten stronger, I guess.
0: Yeah, precisely And if he's named on the bench round one You just can't start with him Um, He really needed that starting lock role uh, To be a bye Um, And if he's on the bench He's just not going to get enough minutes I I wouldn't assume He was the first prop on in the trial Um, But, you know, when you've got Max King Playing 50 to 55 every single week uh, like Can you rely on Curran to also be that guy? Uh, I don't think so
1: no, it just doesn't seem like there's enough minutes in the pack, Rob.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens, but I, I can't see him starting, and then it's just an easy avoid for mine.
1: Yep, love that. <laughs> and Someone who's not as much of an easy avoid is the next man on the list, Ben Trebojevic. He's obviously going to play the first game in Vegas. Josh Schuster has been told to not bother to pack in his bags. He's not on the bus. He's still here. He's in rehab. Some say he's working on his calf right now. And, um, Rob, obviously this is probably one of the harder decisions for fantasy coaches to make, and it really is kind of a it's kind of a gut feel decision in a lot of ways where you've got to make a decision about what you feel about Ben Trubojevic and whether you think you can actually beat out Josh uh, Schuster long-term because what you don't want is to buy him, have him score a... 32 on the edge playing for one week and then two weeks from now, Josh is back in the team and to both, you know, in reserve grade or even worse on the bench and scoring 11 points in 17 minutes or something like that.
2: Yeah. Which is possibly more likely, isn't it? Because he's the perfect bench guy because he can cover so many different positions. Mm. Uh, Yes, completely agree. It's quite risky. Uh, I think the answer to the question is how much do you trust? Josh Trister, and how much do you trust his injury history? Um, and does that does that give you enough confidence that Ben is is going to be okay? I'm not sure he's going to beat him out just for merit, but I think possibly the best situation would be that Trister just can't rehab his calf well enough and he kind of just floats around and doesn't really play very much like what happened last year. Uh, I still think it's worth a risk in round one, but I, oh, it's just I think it's just because there's not very many centers out there, so we're looking we're looking for everything we can get, and a center that starts in the back row we're going to have to have a serious look at.
1: Yeah, absolutely right, Ryan. What, what's your take on the whole situation? I've I've had him in my scene for a while, but like I, I think it, you know given the way that. The problem is we don't even get to see the rest of it. Like, it's not like we get a full scope of the TLT either. It really is a, a gut feel decision.
0: Yeah, well, I guess also, like, Schuster hasn't done anything to really endear himself uh, to to Seabold either, I suppose. Like, he has been in and out of the side at times, been benched at times, um, played minimal minutes off the bench in, like, 2022. Yeah. Uh, these calf injuries can linger. Um, obviously, Trebojevic, uh, a royalty down in the Northern Beaches. So, look, I, I think it's it's an upside play. Um, it, it could blow up, but at the same time, there is a lot of upside there. I, I feel like it's a risk worth taking, and maybe it's a risk worth taking because we're, at least at this stage, the cheapies haven't really presented themselves outside of Sam Hughes and potentially a couple of Ricky Stewart specials. So... Um, yeah, I think he's more a, a, a product of a lack of other options. No, nah,
1: exa- exactly right, mate. And, I mean, that's the, the thing here. you really just got to take the options as they arrive and, and do sort of your best version of, of the game theory as it sort of pops up. You can't make cheapies that don't exist. And, and trying to force people into your team for the sake of getting a, a cheap player is... Not necessarily the best option, but at the same time, when you're looking at somebody, you know, it's 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 definitely a calculated risk where you look at, as, we, as we've as we said, the Josh Schuster injury history, Ben Trebojevic, the three-headed Trebojevic monster, uh, that uh, left edge for Manley is going to be lethal if Ben and Tom are fit. Uh, so, you know, definitely at 250K, he's worth uh, worth an option, particularly if you make him like your fourth center. So you have three plus him. So worst-case scenario, if he needs to sit as a, as a looper or something like that in your team for a couple of weeks until Schuster gets injured again, he can. Speaking of guys who are cheap that people might be forcing them into their team, has that for a segue? Xavier Willison. 34.05% ownership. Obviously, really strong performance in the All-Stars. He is on the bus to Vegas. However, Brennan Piacura looks like he's going to be fit for round one, and he's somebody we'll talk about. He's literally the very next player on this list. Plus, uh, obviously, they've got uh, their other edge in Jordan Rickey nailed on. They've got a, a pretty comprehensive forward, pack: Payne, Haas, Pat Garrigan, Corey Jensen, They've got Marty Tupper. Ooh, they've got Fletcher Baker. They've got a bunch of other guys there. And Willison, he did look pretty solid, but the the problem in this Broncos pack, Ryan, is the two big boys and the two 80-minute edges make it really hard for anybody else to be relevant. Oh,
0: well, precisely. Like when you've got Haas and Carrigan soaking up 60 minutes a week, um, where does that leave you when you've got a... Yeah, when he's going to be a bench middle. Um, it, it doesn't leave much scraps for the rest of them. Um, you, you know, you've got the new signing of Fletcher Baker. It seems like Corey Jensen's going to start. You've got Kobe Hetherington back. It, it's just hard to see him really playing enough minutes to be a buy. I, I think he's fine as a placeholder a week or two out from TLT, but um, I think once TLT comes around, yeah, you're not going to want him in your side and – especially because he locks before the rest of Team List Tuesday comes out. Maybe he's not even good as a placeholder.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I've never been a personal, personally a fan of placeholders anyway because I think it lulls you into a bit of a false sense of security on how you're going to be able to build your team. Obviously, by now, we've got a pretty good idea of what's going to come up. And, I mean, there'll be the odd surprise. You know, you got your coaches like Ricky Stewart, who used to – they like to throw uh, – throw challenges at us, but um, I always want Souths to actually just uh, throw a random teepee out occasionally. I remember a couple of years we got Braden Burns just out of the blue. Um, so uh, it's, uh, you Jacob know, Host. It's Jacob Host. So, I mean, it is, you know, it is sort of coming from there. But, I mean, Wilson just seems to be like a perfect candidate. Like if if one of those players goes down, like particularly like a Haas or something like that, or Pierre Curro, Haas, obviously if they need somebody to inject some... Um, some life, but even they were saying like maybe Carrigan would go onto the edge if Purikura wasn't ready to go even. So may- maybe not even then they've got Jaden Hunt, although he st- didn't get on the bus. So maybe he's sort of down the order now. Um, I think for now the safest policy is to uh, remove the Xavier Willison expansion pack from your fantasy app until further notice.
2: Yeah. Moving on he to the
1: next seem- <laughs> player. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. He right. does seem
2: really, really good like as, a, as an NRL player. And, and I think a mm. lot of, um, Broncos fans are excited to watch him play, but he is just an impact middle and yeah, as as we've said, there's just not enough minutes. Um but yeah, keep keep him in your black book and, and watch him play and and yeah, perhaps hope for an injury. Yep.
1: Yep. He'll probably be one of those guys that just slow burns his way up to a really uncomfortable price by the time he's relevant. Oh,
2: classic. Yeah, he'll come on and score a try or come on and get a massive yep. line break and yeah. He's too yeah. he's too Fantastic. good to play this few minutes, but it's yeah, just classic he, Broncos, isn't
1: it? He'll just eke his eke his minutes up and, like, we won't notice and then he'll be, like, 475K and we'll be just going, how did that happen? But that's not us advocating to buy him either. It's not. No. Brennan Piakura, next on the list here, 399K available on the edge in 33.85% of teams. Uh, he did an MCL minor injury uh, in the trial, not the one, just calling the one before, which was a week ago. Obviously, they've got the uh, you know the week here, and then he's going you know, to be playing on Sunday, so he's got basically a full three weeks to recover. It says he's going to be right to go. Assuming he's there in round one, we'll know because they play in that first day. Uh, he'll be if he's in the twenty four hour you know nineteen man squad. I have to assume that's a pretty good sign. And if he's not, he's in easy trade out unless you're trying to trade him to a. Rabbitoh or a manly seagull, and by then anyone that you want for that team should be in your team anyway. So uh, Rob Piakura, uh, I, I had a, I was a bit dubious about his PPM, but it seems like maybe that was more of a function of him having limited experience, and I think having a full preseason training next next to Renault's done the world a good, and you know he could see himself sort of push that PPM up a little bit.
2: Yeah, his PPM has been pretty disappointing, I would say over. The- the course of his career so far. Um, and that's dating back to the Q cup as well, but he, yeah, I think he's priced. He's possibly the cheapest of all of the kind of mid range edges. And what's his break even?
0: About 29, 29.
2: Yeah. I just, again, I just don't think he has to do that much to get to high thirties to push even early forties. Um and as as Mark said, we can kind of hope that the edge combination um he got most of a preseason in before. It's a shame he couldn't play uh the the, the first preseason game. Um but looks like he's gonna be A okay for Vegas. Um and look, I, I think even if it's one of those uh slow burny kind of edge back row situations i think it's fine it seems to be his spot there's no one else really knocking down the door unless they do a complete reshuffle so yeah i think i think i'd be pretty comfortably starting him in my in my team uh unless he's yeah not playing or picks up another injury
1: yeah ryan he reminds me a lot of like the jackson ford from last year
0: yeah, yeah he does. Right. Um, and and like it's, I think it's important to keep in mind um, just the one thing I'll add is his age as well. You know, like he is only 21. He turns 22 in a couple of months. So, you know, players improve as, as they get older, as the body develops. So uh, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind as well.
1: Yep, absolutely right. Uh, moving on to the next player on the list here. Guys, we've just got buys straight down the line here, aside from a couple of duds up the top. Sam Hughes, next player on the list here, thirty point four percent. It's a mid, he's the first, or oh, I guess he's the he seems to be the best like straight up and down cheapy. That might be the right way of saying it, Ryan. Where, you know, he sort of seems locked into a 30-ish minutes off the bench for the dogs who are short on middles at about a PPM, maybe a touch under. Not somebody you want in your scoring 17, but a, a sort of a safe guy to whacking in your emergencies.
0: Yeah, he's a Matty Hayden on drive. You know, he's straight bat, straight down the ground, over the bowler's head. Don't have to think about it. Um, just, yeah, plug him in 18. You could probably loop him a lot of the time. You know, occasionally he might get... Uh, the week's where he puts up a 40-plus score. But, um, yeah, no, look, he, he I think he's straight in the stud category. Gus has been pretty high on him since the beginning of preseason. Mm-hmm. So, yep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He seems like he would, you know, he's one of those, like, just sort of no-frills no, fril, no country-style footy players as well, which is always good. Nice nice work, right, Rob? And um, do you see any potential downsides there or, you know, is it all sort of green lights for you?
2: I think he's been one of the only players in my team that I haven't even looked at. Um, I also know absolutely nothing about him, but um, it's just with the, with the lack of um, dogs, middle stocks. I just think there's enough. There's enough there for him to make a bit of cash. It's probably not going to be, you know, amazing, but uh, there's just no one else really in that price bracket that we can trust. So happy to just lock it in.
1: Yep. Uh so boys, we might just uh take a moment to take stock here. Obviously, starting Nathan Cleary, he was a stud. Um we have Payne Haas, uh who we talked about third, but is actually the second highest owning player, uh, who <laughs> it, for our intents and purposes, he's a dud, but in actual fact, not a dud. He's the you know, probably gonna be the one of the top five highest averaging players this year, just you know, not, not somebody we're advocating a, a purchase of. Uh, K.O. Weeks, he's a stud, uh, not in the traditional sense of the word, but for for our babies, he is. ears. Uh, Ryan Papenau's, he's a stud. Uh, Josh Claren, not so much. He's a dud. Benja Bojovic, we're gonna. Oh, I, I feel. I feel like I want to put him in the stud category because I think the the risk to rewards there. And then yeah, um, he's a risky stud. He, Risky stud, <laughs> yeah, let's call it that. He's kind of like, you know, when you um, it's um, it's kind of like though, when you go up to a uh, like a hot girl in a nightclub and you're trying to hit on her, and you know you don't know if she's gonna reject you or give you a number. Like it's like you know you you just you roll the dice there a little bit, but not that any of us do that, but you know, walk- for you single people out there,
0: no, when we walk up. to... No mate, we walk up to girls in uh, nightclubs and we show them the, the, our fantasy team. Like, ask their opinion on what do you think about Wilcensini? <laughs> what do you think about this? That's what I do in nightclubs. Yeah. <laughs> Who
1: have you got in race five at Ascot?
0: <laughs> How does that go for you, Ryan? From <laughs> um, Fontaine. Yeah, no, she gave me some good. Uh, That's good. Uh- Ended up marrying me. <laughs> no, <she's 8> <laughs> yeah I was
1: gonna say Lucy she's a weapon she's
0: she you're pretty um,
1: last year so.
2: over indexed yeah. in on this in the center position I think so
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, and then we got Brendan Viakura Sam Hughes buys Wilson not a buy so those two studs and a dud moving on to the uh sub 30 percent ownership so that's one two three four five six seven eight nine players at over 30 percent ownership which feels a bit high but you know, maybe not. Uh, Ethan Strange is number 10. Obviously, we're been really, really good in the trials, but him and K.O. Weeks competing for one jersey. We're fairly comfortable that Weeks is going to get that job, but Rob, whoever gets the job will be in, and whoever doesn't get the job won't be in. Pretty simple.
2: Yeah, Strange got uh, Simbin as well, so it's possibly going to get suspended. Uh, let's just wait and see what happens there. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think it'll be Weeks regardless.
1: Yeah, no, exactly right. Weeks has been pretty good this preseason. So, uh, Ryan, any additional thoughts to that?
0: No, not more to add. It's just it's one or the other. If you've got both in your team, take one out because neither like you can't have both of them in the squad um, uh, unless Fogarty somehow still isn't back for round one. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Again, unless you still only get one good other.
2: mail that uh, Fogarty's out for three or four weeks. Then
1: yeah, it's it's like the old uh, you know for those of you harry potter fans out there so no only one can live while the other survives or whatever it is you know i have one kind of but the
2: prophecy whatever the prophecy is yeah
1: yeah prophecy things magic mm-hmm. stuff it's cool it was cool
2: it was right reuben cotter
1: right <laughs> reuben cotter his weapon oh, yes. is 25.9 percent ownership as mid 587k price at 42 had a few games where he was sort of rested a little bit with hamstring trouble, state of origin, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, obviously, Cowboys are uh, dropping uh, like flies a little bit. Luciano out the door. Uh, Cohen Hass knee injury of some description, uh, potentially serious and potentially hopefully not for the Cowboys, but for fantasy, uh, you know, implications. Uh, knee injury. Ruben Cotter, he's at twenty six percent ownership. Uh, you know, high upside, what's what's not to like here?
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, in, in my brain, it's, it's a high upside play with not much downside. Like, the downside outside of injury is that he averages 47 and, like, you're still making a little bit of cash. It's not quite what you want, but it's a guy who doesn't have a buy before origin as well. So like that's a big tick in his favor. Um as you said, like I, I wrote a pretty extensive article on him that's available on our website, amateurs slash NRL, um, where basically the big downside for his minutes last year, like the, the big Achilles heel was uh origin injury and the Cowboys getting flogged, right? So like obviously you're probably gonna want to sell Cotter come round 13. Um, so, outside of that, as long as he doesn't get injured, the only real downside to his minutes over the first 12 rounds is the Cowboys getting flogged. So, if you think the Cowboys are going to be as bad as what they were last year, then maybe that's the reason you want to avoid. But for me, I think the Cowboys are going to improve and I think there's uh, there's a strong chance, especially with all these, uh, you know, Cohen Hess gone, Luch gone, um, I think there's a decent chance Cotter averages low 50s.
1: Yeah, no, exactly right. I mean, Rob, we were... You know, I know we have sort of said it a couple of times in the preseason or if we haven't, other people have. That Cotter was in the mid-700s and we are all looking at him last year and he's now in the, you know, high 500s. It, it seems like a slam dunk to me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's just someone that is really good to watch as well. It's, it's good to have a couple of those kind of guys in your team. Uh, we think that the cows are going to do a bit better this year, so hopefully some of those floggings disappear. Uh, but also... I just think losing Hess, Hess was a bit of a, like, I don't know. I don't want to say, like, leader, but because we know Hess isn't, isn't phenomenal. But I think Cotter will have to step up now. Uh, and, you know, it'll be, yeah, the Cotters and the Tamalolos will have to just do a little bit more. And giving Cotter more uh, responsibility is always good in my book. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, Hess is one of those, like, quiet performers in the Cowboys pack, and and, he burst onto the scene a a while ago and and was sort of an absolute weapon and fell off a cliff a little bit, but he's kind of just a toiler for the Cowboys now, which they need, and, I mean, it's a bit concerning. I'm very concerned about the number of minutes Jack Granville's going to play now. So (laughs) speaking of things that concern me, though, is the next player on this list, uh, and what, I don't know, Rob... If, I don't know if you're a basketball guy, but what's the opposite of a slam dunk?
2: Oh, uh, is it an airball?
1: Yeah, probably just a like a brick, like a three pointer where it just like bricks off the off the backboard. That's KL Ero, the next guy on the list.
0: The, the opposite of a dunk on a basketball court it might be you doing your ACL, I reckon.
1: Well, <laughs> no. yeah, no, that was that was pretty close to the opposite of me dunking it. If it's fair, yeah. So somewhere between my uh, kneecap being up in my quad and my ankle pointing 90 degrees in the wrong direction, oh. I reckon it was it was pretty unattractive, um, oh. which is pretty similar to Kale Hero's fantasy prospects for this year. Obviously, Talakai and, and Rameen look to have a, a stranglehold on the centre jerseys. And Fitzgibbon seems to be, like, not very interested in making his team better. Uh, which you know is fine, and I mean we're we're having a look at a couple of players. You know we've we've been in discussions about McKinnis potentially starting at lock as well, but Iro looks like he's going to have to bite his time and wait for an injury. Twenty four point six percent. Rob it seems to me like uh, one of those ones where everybody would just go, oh, it's a placeholder in my centers until we see what cheapies are there. But it doesn't look like there's going to be any cheapies, and having a quarter of the fantasy teams with a gigantic mistake in their centers and no ability to plan around. It seems like a a bad plan.
2: Yeah. I've seen a disturbing amount of teams with arrow and strange locking down their centers. And I think that was a bit of a pipe dream that we had uh, when the app first opened, uh, because it would have been an absolute fill up to have two uh, cheap centers like that. And it looks like we're not going to get that. So yeah, I, I completely agree with Mark. It's, just pick someone better in your centers um, and then you can gamble on the other one. You know, we've talked about Ben Trebouet, and there's a couple of other names floating around. But yeah, you do yourself no good holding two guys that aren't going to be in the team in round one. Um, I, hmm. I think I think Talikai wasn't as bad as people think. I think he. I think Wilton had to cover. Uh, Moylan a lot, mm-hmm. which meant that that edge was just horrific. And Telekai, I think, isn't terrible. Like, wasn't good at origin. Like, don't get me wrong. And, like, isn't a f- wasn't didn't have a great year last year, but he's still a good player. I still think he's a good player. And I don't think he was the issue with their edge performance. Um, but, I, yeah, and, and I think Iroh will get a go at some point. It's just not now. And I, I yeah, I don't necessarily agree that well, no, I do agree that he, he – just do you think Eero is better than Telekai? Do you think really that's a better option? I, I think it's
1: more that we don't know, and we know exactly yeah, what Telekai right. is.
2: And, you know, the definition of insanity is
1: doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result.
2: And but they got rid of Moylan, me, at least.
1: Yeah, but Moylan also had, like, the third highest amount of try sits in the lead last year.
2: Yeah he was he
1: so, was actually right. I mean he can't he's an absolute liability but also everybody was running to that side this week as well so they're clearly concerned about the ability of Talakai and even Wilton to defend there Trindle's not a seasoned campaigner by any stretch of the imagination either so I mean Ero obviously is a young outside back which is not usually a recipe for defensive success but I mean, at some point you've got to look at your team and go, okay, this isn't working. What changes can we make and where are the holes? And, I mean, the Sharks are a very strong team and I think one of the big holes that they've got is uh, a guy who really should be playing in the middle of the field, playing one in front of the wing in Talakai. Yeah. That's, that's my, my opinion. Ryan, I know you're a lifelong... You know, gone to the glory days where we just had Paul Gallen and Andrew Fafita soaking up massive amounts of minutes in the in the middle of the field for the Sharkies and and you know raising the trophy and doing a shooey at the uh, at the stock exchange in Brisbane in 2016. We've come a long way from then for the Sharks.
0: Yeah, it's uh, times have changed. Um, yeah, I think Giro's is just one for the black book. We might get him as a mid-season cash cow, but yeah, for round one, it's it's a no-go.
2: Mm.
1: Exactly right, mate. So yeah, no good, concise, good stuff. Didn't even get me en- didn't even give me enough chance to finish my bite of pizza. That's how, how good you are. You can get it all done in one go. Harry Grant's next on the list. Twenty four point three percent ownership. At uh, you know Hooker, he's the first Hooker on this list. He is the number one scorer at the position. Obviously, Damien Cook was that. Why way for a couple of years um, before that? Obviously, the long reigning aforementioned. Rule number one, Cameron Smith. Harry Grant seems to have taken that over. And, you know, one of the big things in Grant's favour is he's a pretty consistent 80-minute or about 80-minute player every single week except for the end of the year where they sort of benched him a couple of times. And, and I mean, we've had discussions, Ryan, about potentially Grant having one or two points of value and being a vice-captain option. And and really the only obstacle for his selection is the other options for Melbourne uh, in in Pappenhausen, who we've already spoken about, and Sean Bloor, who may or may not be a... A selection come TLT, but I mean Grant. If he's if it, let's say TLT point two mark two, the, the the balance of the six teams is named. Sean Blore is not starting on the edge. Do you think you'd just bite the bullet and pay up for Harry Grant at the hooker, or do you think you'll still go for the budget options?
0: Oh, look, I'd certainly flirt with uh, Harry Grant. Um, I I think this is probably the first player in the list uh, we've gone through so far. That's uh, people opting for a vice captaincy option that isn't Payne Haas. And look, I I think there is potentially some value there to start the year. Obviously, round four by not ideal. I probably wouldn't want more than Ryan Pappenhausen if I was going to go for Harry Grant. So I think you're limiting yourself to those two. There's a chance we might just get those two. It seems like Bloor probably isn't going to start. He he didn't play that much in the trial. I don't know. seems like he might be behind Chris Lewis or even Kane Bradley. I don't know. I guess we'll find out in a week or so. Um, Yeah, yeah, for mine, look, I I think Harry Grant's a good option. Uh, It's just, yeah, I, I suppose it's a matter of... You know, managing that round four buy—it's—it's um, it's going to be tough having a big chunk of the salary cap on the on the sidelines early in the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've Rob, we've discussed uh, at length, sort of the the potential benefits of getting the players with buys out of the way early. Although, because the the big thing to remember is there's only five teams who don't have a buy up until round thirteen. So, I mean, one way or another, you're going to have players on buys at some point, but it's kind of a good idea to try to spread them out as much as you can. And obviously the, the teams from sort of round eight, seven, eight, nine, ten, 7, uh, 10, it could be that you buy a bunch of cheapies and then, or, you know, cash makers, and by the time it hits their buy, you've already sold them, so it's less of an issue. Uh, how much stock are you putting in the tactic of avoiding these early buys, and is Grant somebody that you've considered?
2: Yeah, I was just having a look At Grant, because obviously we did get some indication that Bloor might not be, you know, a starter for Melbourne, which means that there is possibly a a spot opened up in the storm. But I was just having a look and they are actually quite a good head-to-head team to to have a look at, Ryan, because obviously they've got around four by, but they're 13, 19 which is pretty good for head-to-head. So Obviously, Robson is also a really good option for head to head, but um, yeah, I quite like Grant for head to head too, if I'm honest. Mm,
0: okay. Yeah, uh, I guess. Well, I, I guess mean, the it... issue is the backing up from Origin. It's yeah. the backing. I up. mean, prior to that,
1: he... if you, even for overall coaches, though, like let's you know, you look at the at least when he played at least seventy-one minutes at Hooker, he's got a career average of 60.5 in 46 games, and a lot of those were for the Tigers, but he averaged 61, 62.5, 62, and then 59 last year, which would still be two points on his break-even. So he's got three seasons in a row of over 60 plus plus uh, a 59. So, you know, maybe it's two points plus a, a really solid vice-captaincy option for that Cleary buy. And, um, you know, give up one game early in the season, and then, you know, you've got the... Uh, the rest of the year with the the number one hooker option, Ryan.
0: No, look, it's it's certainly a strategy, um, but yeah, I, I, I guess it, it always comes down to the how they manage him um, as the season goes on. But I suppose if you start with him, you are getting the absolute best time of Harry Grant out of him. Like you don't have to worry about round one to twelve. He's going to be playing over seventy um, every single week. Uh, so yeah, mm. look, uh, look, I, I I don't mind it. He's probably my second or third choice, maybe. I don't know. We'll see Um, as vice-captain's the option come come TLT. But he's certainly up there for me. I just don't have him in my side currently. Yeah. No, good stuff.
1: Now, I'm going to draw a line under Harry Grant because after him, there's a group of players that I want to call the problem children. And there's like (laughs) one or two exceptions through here, but there's a lot of problem children here. So the, pro- the the start of the problem children starts with the problem child, Reese Walsh, at 23.45 or thereabouts percent ownership. And the wing fullback come off a career best season, 48 average last year where the Broncos made the grand final and he was absolutely electric, made his state of origin debut. He was awesome. Set the world on fire. Rob, you support the Waz, uh, who he came from and where he was pretty good over there but not, absolutely elite, and he was in discussions about State of Origin even then. So I guess my question is, is there any room for him to move up given Reynolds is still there, he's not goal-kicking, he's not doing any of that? Or, from, I I don't know, for me, all I see is downside for Reece Welsh from this 48 price point, and I don't understand the 23-plus percent ownership at all.
2: Yeah, I think I'm one of the biggest Reese Walsh fans between us three and I still can't bring myself to get him anywhere near my team. I think I think he's gonna have a really good NRL season and he could push he could push fifty, like a fifty average. But I just don't think it's I think it's more likely that he's kind of mid forties. I think there's just mm. there's still too many errors in his game and he just yeah the The good is good, but the bad is bad. And I, until I see that stuff get out of his game, I'm just not really that keen on grabbing someone at that price. Um, I think he's, I still think he's really good. I think he's going to be really phenomenal and one of the top fullbacks like over the course of the season. But I also think he'll play Origin. uh, And Mm. I, yeah, just the upside's not really there for me.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Ryan, you just look at the guys in that price bracket. You got three blokes. You got Reese Walsh, James Tedesco, and Tom Trabojevich. And you got James Tedesco, who, you know, was a perennial 55 plus average player who's had one bad year. And I want to have a discussion with him. Maybe it's, I think it's on the podcast because he's 2.5% owned. Uh, And Tom Trabojevich, who has a 77.6 average season in his belt. Um, and priced very similarly. Uh, It feels to me like Reese Walsh is a distant third option in the price bracket even.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, he's lacking that uh, fundamental base uh, that he had when he was at the Warriors, like when he was goal kicking and he was doing a lot more in play kicking. Obviously, with Adam Reynolds Mm -hmm. there, he's not doing that. Um, uh, He's still just got those games in him where he can just serve up an absolute yeah. Tyrell Sloan type game. Um, Like he had a seven against the Titans. I specifically remember a few games last year where he was on like sub 20 after like 60, 70 minutes and manages to rescue his score in the last 10 minutes. Um, It's, yeah, it's again, it's like a player you're paying full freight for. I I think this is maybe just sitting the category of players that uh, that's like name brand. So it's it's you know <laughs> players that uh, fantasy coaches are are buying in based off the name brand rather than maybe a statistical basis.
1: Yeah, and if I think if you found like if you looked at teams of players who people who are member of members of the amateurs and have been following the preseason podcast, you'd find that ownership would be sub one percent, and I feel like the twenty three percent is in the. uh casual fantasy player community. So if you remember the casual fantasy player community, I don't begrudge you for that. I just strongly suggest that you um, get involved in our community and 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 take a look at the uh, information that we've got available because um, you know it really is going to increase your enjoyment of the game and you're not going to be stuck uh, wondering why your team value is 11 million at the end of the year and everybody else is 15. Moving on to the next player on this list, Hamaso Tabuai Fado. Uh, seems like the wrong Player available in the centres in a Vanilla Coke jersey, Ryan.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, isn't this someone that you were a little bit keen on at one point in the preseason? Um, I, uh, I mean, I was
1: up and I, I was up until the point where we got you and Aiken. So, right. I was looking at I was looking at Hammer, but obviously with the round three buy, you can't go in with both of your centres being you and Aiken and Hammer so both out in round three. That's 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 why I sort of went off the boil with him straight away. And then I looked at putting in my wing fullback as well. But, you know, then sort of you, you're presenting the same issue essentially where, you know, you're still running two emergencies really, really early in the season, which, I mean, like once again, is, it's fine. Uh, it's just I was looking at him a lot closer before the UNA can use. So I've sort of gone off him a little bit. I've toyed with the idea of having him in my team. There's a build that I have at the moment which works really, really well. With Hammer in the wing fullback area. Uh, but at 20.8%, it feels like another one of those, um, you know, maybe name brand type deals. Uh, and, you know, I would be strongly directing people towards you and Aiken instead.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, Hammer's not someone I've ever been particularly keen on at any point this preseason. I've just never understood where the value necessarily is. Like, I could see a couple points there, but like, he's already priced at 41. Like, what's the ceiling for Hammer? Like, for me, it's maybe mid-40s. Uh, is like... Like, he already had, like, an 80% try-scoring rate at fullback last year. Like, maybe he can improve his try-assist numbers. Uh, outside of that, like, I'm not sure where the improvement is. Uh, like, he does have a fairly easy draw to start the year. Like, he's got the Dragons, Titans, and Tigers in his first five rounds there. So, uh, I guess from that perspective, I can see it. But, yeah, look, yeah, for me, Hammer's... Not not a great option, in my opinion. But, yeah, if we get you and Aiken for round one, he's the clear standout and cheaper as well.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, Rob, obviously, the try scoring is a big upside for Hammer. He's great to watch. He definitely fits in the players you like to watch category, but he's not somebody that fits into the uh, reliable, consistent fantasy scorer for 550K or thereabouts.
2: Yeah, I never had him last year and it was quite tough not owning him for that big stretch where he just kept scoring tries. Was it the first six mm. games he scored like yeah. ten oh, tries? Yeah. Uh yeah, but after that it kind of he, he kinda of went on a you know back to came back down to earth a bit. Mm. Uh and I don't really feel like we missed out on too much not owning him last year. It was it would have been fun to watch. Um the Dolphins start of the season was great and everyone wanted them to be good, but I think I agree. He he only averaged forty one last year and that's even with that many tries. So he's yeah. priced at what, forty two now? So they've For, he's pr- priced
1: at forty one. He averaged forty three and a half when he played at fullback last year. a couple,
2: of, couple games. of
1: games out of position. Yeah. Um, but that was an eighty-seven point five percent try scoring rate, which is pretty high for a fullback. It's not as high as Tom Trebouvitch's one hundred and fifty-eight percent in twenty twenty-one, but it is oh, high. But he again. <laughs> he is he is a try scorer. Um, yeah, he is.
2: Yeah, for sure. He's
1: improving. He looks physically bigger, um, with more off seasons and more time under the belt. But I mean, yeah, he's one of those guys. Like if you and Akin just was like not named in round one. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do here? I might have a look at him, but there's other guys who I, I prefer at the price point and, and lower ownership.
2: Because did uh Lemuelu start on the edges as well as Aitken on the other edge? Because are we thinking no. that it would
0: be... Uh- yeah. yeah, so Lemuelu started on the left edge, Aitken started on the right edge, and then uh, yeah. Kafusi... Came on later on, um, and then in the yeah, first right. trial, Aiken was on the left edge, and, and I think Kavisi was on the right edge. Maybe, maybe no Kavisi, Blake.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, no, he was. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're just fiddling around with stuff. I don't know. We'll, we'll eyeball it. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, I mean, either way, I think there's there's better options than, than Hammer and definitely at over twenty percent.
2: It's possibly five points of value, right? But not ten.
1: Yeah. Oh, but, I mean, you know, like he's in the Penasini bracket. We're not expecting 10 points of value from Penicini, you know
2: The cup pricekeeper situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: The jewel's helpful. Um, fear, and I very. Mean, but also, he's playing State of Origin, and he's got one of the worst. Like, the Dolphins have the worst buy schedule for anyone. Oh, for certain players. So, yeah, you better just, you know, split the difference. Just, you know, I think it's an the, the void. Now, um, Rob, Ezra man obviously, grand final, absolute weapon, 19.2% seems like a textbook example of somebody buying a player whose name they recognize and not understanding that player's role in the team from a you know stats accrual and fantasy perspective
2: yeah i just don't get it i had a question today about him as well and i just don't get it i do you think it is just that he's yeah he had a good did he even have a good season or did he just have a good post season <laughs> like he's he, he did well enough to get a contract extension or close to, I don't know if he signed it yet, but he. Yeah, worked.
1: no, he did. Yeah, no, he's yeah, just good. very good. On. I think he's, a, he's a, I good think guy. he's a, good a foil to a dominant halfback, which is not something that we look for for fantasy.
2: That's it. I think people are looking for like a, oh, like a Sam Walker type, like really cheap, but can possibly push 50, but he's just not that guy. He's, He's a, you know, he's more of a. Uh, who can I even equate him to? Like a Luke Metcalf kind of, like a. Yeah, Luke Metcalf's 24. a really
1: good. You know, yeah, he's a, he's a great foil.
0: Yeah, don't get it, yeah, Brian. Yeah, look, he, he's a, he's a half who averages low thirties with a sixty percent try scoring rate. Um, <laughs> uh, yep. That, well, unless, unless unless Adam Reynolds is out, he's not a buy. And even then. Yeah. I feel like Reese Welsh should be a by then.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd be I mean, having a long hard look at Reese Walsh at that point. <laughs> with, with <John laughs> Manon, but yeah, yeah, not now. Yeah. No. No. All right, now Ryan. Chevy Stewart. Mm. What do we think? Is Ricky gonna pull the um you know the Ricky tricky? Or do we think, you know, we're we're getting some misinformation? And he is gonna start. You think he's ridge didge about Rapiner? What, what, what's your gut feel about it? Do you think you just you don't care and you're just going to take him out of your team? Is that, is that how you're approaching this?
0: <laughs> yeah, I almost hope he doesn't get named next week so I don't have to worry about any more Raiders. I don't know how many Raiders I want at my side. I feel like Weeks and maybe Kotrick is enough. So I'd almost welcome Rapana at the back. Uh, it seems like even if he does start, Ricky's probably going to manage him. Uh, He's a young guy. Um, I, I could easily see him, like, having a game off. Like, sort of like, remember, like, Reece Walsh's first year with the Warriors? Like, how he would, you know, occasionally get benched or, you know, you know come off the bench, play on the wing or shift to fullback, push Roger out to the wing. Like, it wouldn't shock me if Chevy Stewart got that treatment as well.
1: Yeah, no, exactly right. I mean, he's a, he's a young guy. He's obviously developing um, the Raiders, the Pushed the Cowboys today, so maybe, you know, maybe we see Albert Hoppawati at fullback. It's, it's, who knows? And, I mean, I I think, the, Rob, the or Mary story maybe may here is just to not rely on him for round one and just, like, don't have him in your team and it's a bonus if he's there.
2: I think that's right. I think if he is there, you might be able to upgrade someone else that plays in the second round of round one, uh, second week of round one. Uh, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I... I think it's gonna be Rapana, I think, yeah,
1: mm. yep,
2: yeah. No, agree. Speaking
1: of people who aren't gonna be relevant come round one, CY Wong, next man on the list here at seventeen point seven five ish percent ownership, four hundred forty four k on the edge. Rob looks set to uh, be at best a bench option, if not uh, professional orange peeler come round one. Mm. Uh, I think maybe people have got him plugged in where in fact they probably should be lobbing Tuppanure in there.
2: Yeah, I just don't think people have really paid attention. or well, Some people haven't really paid attention to the team lists yet. They perhaps have just you know, chucked someone in their team and hoped for the best. Um what's his price? Four four four. Four four four. And Tupreneur is slightly more four twenty one. Is right? stupid I just think I just think people, yeah, people haven't checked the team lists, and that should change uh, after next week.
1: Yep, no, exactly right, Ryan. Anything to add, or you want to go on to your uh, your man crush? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's move on to the uh, Kurt man double ganger. <laughs> the
1: man, the man with the best tats, Callum Ponga, seventeen and a half percent ownership, seven hundred fifty-seven k wing fullback. Uh, the highest averaging wing fullback last year. Obviously, uh, as you know, that's not even correct at all. But they've adjusted his price up because they know how good he is. Uh, obviously started the season last year at 5'8 in the experiment that shocker, shocker didn't work. Uh, went back to fullback. Uh, ripped some terrible sh- teams to shred, starting with the poor Bulldogs. And um, mate, uh, Ponga, uh, do you think the... Uh, the blonde hair adds to his aerodynamicness and fantasy scoring? <laughs> or uh, how, do you, how do you feel in general? I mean, this was one of the conversations that we had off air and I've just kind of been kicking to you guys for some analysis. But my sort of take on Ponga is that I think he uh, beat some really, really bad teams last year and and went on a stretch where he scored maximum Dalian points for like 13 weeks in a row or something like that. And my concern with Ponga is that, I think we saw his ceiling in the low 60s rather than what we should expect from him. And, you know, maybe it was his version of a Trebojevic 71 average year and he's going to go back to a Latrell Mitchell sensible sort of 55 to 57 rather than a, you know, 63 or something. I mean,
0: I wonder if if the 60 average isn't the norm. Like I look at 2020, um, like the average 60, I think that might have been old scoring on it. I can't remember. 2021, he averaged 55 without goal kicking. And then 2022 was the down year at fullback where he averaged 42. And then obviously last year back to 60s again. I've, Pong is someone I flip-flopped on. Like I started pretty cold on him in the nights. And then like the more I've sort of looked at him, like I looked at their schedule as well. Um, no buy until round 12. If he's not in the origin conversation again, then that's a big tick in his column. I'm sure he will be in the conversation between him and Walsh, but Walsh being the incumbent, um, you'd assume Billy would go there again as long as he's fit and playing well. Uh, they start the year with the Raiders. Uh, they've got, the, you know, not many teams in there that really scare me. Like, it's not uh, soft as butter uh, to begin the year. Like, you've got the Cowboys, uh, Storm, Warriors, Into the Dragons, Roosters, Bulldogs, Dolphins. So, like, there's a couple of cupcakes, but no one really that's scary either. Um He's just got such a solid base. Like, even in the trial, like, he was taking, uh, like, he took the first two in play kicks. Um, So, like, if he's got like that 100 kick meters a week, plus he's goal kicking, he's putting up good running numbers. Obviously, we know what he can do in attack when he's firing. It's, he obviously is the premium option in this position. Uh, Yeah. Ponger is one I flip flopped on. And I, I just wonder if maybe 60 for him with goal kicking is the norm.
1: Rob, do you have any uh, any thoughts around your uh, fellow countryman, New Zealand Queenslander, Kalen?
2: Now, I'm pretty pretty keen on Kalen. I think just the lack of options at wing fullback have made me look back at him. I think it was the was it the podcast you did you guys did with Stu where Ryan's uh, wall against Ponga just slowly slowly lifted away. Um, <laughs> made me made me just have another look at him because he hadn't been in my team all off season but he is probably my favorite nrl player like to watch last year was just just amazing but uh, i don't know if that's the if 60s the norm but if he can push high 50s i'd be still pretty happy with that and i don't think he's going to play origin he might he might but yeah, he's just really phenomenal to watch, and I, I think it is slightly different to uh, a Haas situation because there is still some value there to me. I don't yeah. know. Even like, even if he
1: doesn't get it, done. there's the potential for it instead of just, like, definitely not.
2: Yeah, that's it. So, I don't know. I, I think so if you look, the, the, the better question so if is... Look, uh, go on.
1: Yeah, so if you look at the night... So, Calum so Ponga, he had... Um, so uh, Rugby League Fantasy Pro, using the analytics tab, you can isolate year to year, uh, and they've adjusted the scoring to the current scoring as it is now. So Kalen Ponga in 2020 had 17 games where he played at least 71 minutes at fullback, so that isolates any 10-minute uh, sin bins because I, I don't like to use that as a, a reliable stat. So he had 17 games there. Uh, He did kick a few goals, so 4.7 points per game in goals, 55.6% average, but I think the Knights were not super good that team that year, but sort of okay. 2021, obviously the highly inflated PVL ball year. His goals went down to only 1.8 per game, so down 2.9 points per game, but his scoring went down to 50.8. So his base went down, his attack went down, or went up slightly, um, but... Um obviously only 11 games, pretty sort of – so he's had 55.6 and 50.8. 2022, 46.1, only 2.2 points in goals. So if you round that up to what we'd expect from him, that's about a 50. Uh, and so so let's say it's 57, 53, and 50 from those three seasons. And then last year, 62.3 with the, with the goals. But, I mean, he's not a prolific goal kicker either. Uh, his sort of career is about 70 – Percent goal goal-kicking, 70.1% goal-kicking in those fullback games. Um, Hastings is a good goal-kicker, and if his foot is okay, it's entirely possible if Kalen starts poorly with a boot that they might give the goal-kicking to Hastings as well, and that that would be the real sort of dagger. But, um, you know, he just really ripped teams apart. If you look at the attack, 29, 30, 26, and then 38 last year, Like And it really is. It wasn't even necessarily the tries. It was the try assist, the tackle bus. The tackle bus were up massively. And I just wonder if that's an effort-based thing or a body composition-based thing because it looked like he was bigger uh, and maybe that's just who he's matured into. It's just Pete James Sadescu with goal kicking now. Maybe that's just what it is, which is entirely possible. Um, and maybe there's another gear, even past his sixty-two, because at his peak Teddy was a high fifties, and then if you add seven points of goal kicking, you're in the mid-sixties there. So, I mean, it's definitely possible. We had Ponga, uh, we had Pappenhausen at about sixty, so there's no reason Ponga can't do it if this night seems as good as I think our uh, um Maybe I've just talked myself into him. I don't even know.
0: <laughs> Welcome balls coming down. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, the thing is, like, Fanhubs made this a real. Interesting question by bumping his price up. Like if he was priced at fifty one, which is what he averaged last oh, year, I think yeah, I think he'd be deep. like forty percent owned, yeah.
2: Yeah. 100%. That's
1: the thing,
0: eh? Because
2: but but he yeah. averages what was it was it sixty three at fullback? Sixty two
1: point yeah. three. Um yeah. but his goal kicking rate was under seventy percent and only five point three points in goals. So if he can like pump those up and like, you know, actually like I reckon I could get close to seventy percent goal kicking, so that's on, that? on my left,
2: <laughs> on my bad leg. The game he got like 11 goals. Was it the dogs? Yeah, when they oh, beat probably. like 66 mil yeah. or oh, something. Yeah. That was so phenomenal. Yeah.
1: It's, it's actually funny. I, I did a study on this before last year, so it didn't have last year's stats in it. I'd love to go back and see it. There's a bunch of articles that I've written like years ago that, I, that I've lost now that I'd love to go back and find, but this is one of them where I looked at the difference between Ponga in games where he was the goal kicker and games where he wasn't the goal kicker, and that's the that impact of that on the rest of his scoring because it was massive. Like if you took out... Like, even if you isolated the goals, he was, like, seven points worse overall, not including, like, if it was zero points worth of goals. Like, it was when he didn't kick goals. I think it was a confidence thing. Like, when he's feeling confident, he's kicking goals and kicking goals well, and he's not giving up the goal kicking because he's hitting them badly. He actually scores better on the rest of his performance as well, which was kind of weird. It was a psychology thing. I don't know if there's anything
2: to that, but... I wonder if it's just, like, the crowd bigging him up as well, you know, when he's hitting them from the sideline. I,
1: I think it's just That's more like, you know, challenge. when you miss a couple and your confidence is down, you give up the give up the tee to Mitch Barnett mm-hmm. or whoever it was he was giving it up to, and then <laughs>
2: – It would have been Mitch no, Barnett. No,
1: it, it, Bar- it was Mitch Barnett. It was Mitch yeah, Barnett. I'm I not know, kidding, I that. He said it was. I remember him doing it for Mitch Barnett. He hasn't kicked for the Warriors and, um, yet,
2: but I can't wait till he ha- has to.
1: Oh, man, that is just not – it's just – it's dire straits. When, when he's goal-kicking for you. But, but, yeah, he gave up the tee to Mitch Barnett a couple of times and you could just see him like he just wasn't his confident self. And I was listening to a podcast, I don't remember which one it was, uh, it was NRL Boom Rookies, and they were talking about Ponga and he just sort of said, he said in an interview the week before that Bulldogs game, he said, I'm just sick of losing, like I'm just tired of losing, mm. and then he just exploded and just absolutely ripped, ripped the Bulldogs to shreds, turned his entire season around, won the Dallium. And, and you know, it, it's kind of like what I said a couple of weeks ago about Luttrell. Like if he could just, if he just decided he wanted to be the best player in the NRL, there's no one that could stop him. And I think Ponga, Ponga is there. one of the players that, that fits in that mould where he's just physically so gifted and his IQ is so high for footy that if he really just wanted to just light the competition on fire, he could do it. Uh, but he just needs to have that desire and turn up every single week with that attitude and I don't know if that's his personality or not, but you know for the seventeen point five percent of people that that want to jump on, I guess we'll find out might be seventeen point five one after I'm done with this podcast
2: oh, has he have you not put him in yet? <laughs>
1: No, I'm staring at him right now. You know what I did before this podcast is I just cleared my entire team so I could get a, a really good, like, list of players, and I'm just adding the guys who were are labelling studs, and I'm not adding the guys who are labelling duds as I'm going down the list. And that's the that's first good. one that I haven't added to my team or not added to my team as I'm going down.
0: But it's he's not a problem. Again, no. so he's we, not a problem. Oh, add, he, he might be a, no. a problem. Child, oh, no,
1: problem. he is definitely a problem. Calum Ponga is the, like, he's the king of the problem children. Him and Kurt Mann... Uh, are the problem children but you know they, they split going, them up man. now they're naughty boys are <laughs> in the naughty in. corner in different different yeah. different classrooms in the facing the wall in the back of the class so oh now we move this uh, how is this for a segue boys we're moving from the naughty kids in class to the teacher's pet the son of the teacher kyle flanagan how good are we, how good are we we're done we're talking air. about
0: nathan cleary oh oh sorry flanagan right <laughs>
1: Kyle Flanagan, 17.4% ownership, 349K, obviously break-even 25, doesn't need to do a huge amount to make that money. But, I mean, the Dragons, uh, I mean, I don't actually remember who I gave the last hit up to. So, Ryan, you're going to have to do two hit-ups in a row here if it was you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did. It was you. Yeah. Um, Kyle Flanagan, I know you're a Sharkies man, so you know, you know, you remember the heyday of Kyle Flanagan, where he was. Uh, <laughs> I think he partnered Shaw Johnson for a little while in the halves. Yeah, and, I think uh, so. You yeah. Know, yeah when when Flano was when things were rosy, when the porch light was still on, Kyle Flanagan was up there. <laughs> and um, I mean, what's your take on Flanagan? Because I mean, he's one that hasn't been in my team for a while now and i i I just I, he doesn't feel to me like somebody I can put in my scoring seventeen and he's too expensive to go on my emergencies
0: look yeah uh, that essentially uh Flanagan's one of these players that hasn't been in my side once um at all this preseason I'm not completely against someone starting with him, but uh, I just I think it's touch and go whether he's a buy or not. obviously the bars not set too high like break even at 25 he needs to average. Uh, mid-30s which is certainly possible but he won't be goal kicking he won't be doing that much in play kicking either um like he'll do a little bit but I think it's still going to be like you know 60 to 70 percent Ben Hunt um it 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 just it really doesn't leave much margin for error especially when you're playing in a team that's likely going to be not a top eight site I'll say that um (laughs)
1: that's (laughs) really uh, polite of you Look, I I don't think they're going to be –
0: well, look, I I think the one thing you could say about the Dragons is, like, people have predicted them for the Spoon, including us on this podcast over the years. But the one thing they've always done, uh, for the most part, is try. Like, they usually put in quite a bit of effort, and I think any team with Ben Hunt is going to put in effort. I think just Mm. Ben Hunt alone is going to drag people to, to a bit of effort. So they might not be horrible. They might turn up most weeks and at least give it a go. They don't have the most talented squad on paper, but I think just effort can keep you in games. Um, and look, Flanagan, it, it's touch and go. I think mid-30s is probably doable, but you're right. Like, he's not someone you're going to want to trust in your 17, and he's a little expensive for the emergencies as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is it is a hard one because it's sort of in a, in a world where the halves are Options in particular this year are pretty um, lacking of enthusiasm for for selection is, is probably the nicest way I can go about it. Having a guy who you can plug in your 18th man who you're pretty confident going to get to 30 most weeks is is good. But, I mean, the, the concern is if it starts to not go very well, the tinkering might start happening. And, I mean, the question is then at that point, does Flanagan move to the fourteen? Uh, which is obviously a a worry. And, and Rob, I don't know if you have a a strong feeling about this.
2: Um, I did listen to Flanner Sr. on uh, the radio talking about how they got him in as a 14. Like, they wanted him to play there because he is good in that position. I think he's probably better in that position. than, um, But just because of their uh, absolute disarray in the halves with Volkman and Amon... Um, Yeah. Uh, They've just, you know, they've just had to put him there. There's no one, there's literally no one else to play. So I think that's possibly a tick in his column is that there's no one really banging on the door to get his job.
1: Sure sure of Jack Bird Um, moving into the halves.
2: But I just don't think that's going to happen either. I think Jack Bird like is a, is a center now, I think. Uh, Yeah. uh, Look, maybe stranger things have happened, but the, the thing with Flano is, uh, and I think we've talked about this on a different pod, is that there was all this talk of Flano playing a halfback, but it's Ben Hunt's team, right? Until we see otherwise, like, Ben Hunt's going to be controlling most of what goes on in this team. And, yeah, there's just not a lot left for Flano. I, I've got no issues with anyone starting with him because, as we've said, he doesn't have to do that much um, to make a make money, but it's just there's possibly better options um, yeah. I was just looking. I was just looking like would you rather have Flanno or Oh uh, See that
0: Those
1: I I've of... like really negative feelings about Safarth. That's why I'm like that's like <laughs> the, uh, the starting lock at the same price as the half that might lose his job any day now doesn't seem like a hard decision but it just it kind of is cuz you kind of yeah, you choosing between someone squeezing a lemon in your eye or cooking you in the balls, like, it's kind of... It's funny,
0: eh? are losing either way. sort of... kind of, kind of, <laughs> that that like of... reminds me of 2022 Lachlan Elias, where, like, yes. he's going to be a real yeah, slow burn.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, like, uh, Amon was the same that year. You know, yeah. he sort of went down in price and everyone was panicking and he ended up making the money that he was supposed to make. It just took way longer and you didn't want him in year 17 at any given week.
2: <laughs> I just can't see a situation where we would put him in our 17. It's going to be a loop. He's going to be the start of a loop. I, I, feel, I feel
1: I I feel. Yeah. like him and like Jamin Salmon is like the perfect 17-18 like loop if you want to go that way.
2: Oh, I'm just keen to start Jamin Salmon. I don't know when we get to talk about it. I don't know, man. His PPM
1: is a bit bog standard. Uh, uh, let's yeah, man, go down
2: to that. Jamin Salmon yeah. is going to be Briscard, right? He's he,
1: going to Nah, his PPM is not great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, no. yeah. We're, we're discussing him on this this episode, so we leave him there. But maybe a PP, uh, maybe a loop like that might be the way to go. Because I mean, we got round one. Um, round one, we're gonna have you know, let's say you start with a safe arth or a, a nappy corusel. Um I, I think that's two for the podcast. Um, and then uh, round two, obviously, we got the titans, which we were talking about Keeney. But you know, with the in light of the recent comments with Jaden Campbell. Um, We'll, we won't do that. And we'll have an opportunity to have a discussion about that because both Jaden Campbell and Keeney are in our podcast today. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll cover that when we get there. Um, and then round three, obviously, we've got the uh, the Aiken loop. And then round four is the Storm. So you're going to oh. have there. Round five is the Sharks. Probably nobody. And Not then you've got the nowhere. Cleary six, round six loop. So four out of six rounds, you've probably got a loophole Guy, there. So you know you can can roll that out.
2: Now, uh, long and short, as is Flano, is—is is he a dud or a or a, or a stud?
1: Oh, I definitely—I don't—I don't feel comfortable calling him a stud in any context. Mm. Ryan,
0: mm, he's just you a can a be the deciding factor. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's not really a dud, but he's not a stud either. No, he's, he's, he's somewhere in between. He's not a dud. Um, yeah. Like okay. Even, you know like, what, Kyle Flanagan, Flanagan is. He makes 100K He's
1: he's like one of those really like buff dudes that goes to the beach with no shirt on, covered in oil. But they're like a bit gross and creepy. And you're like, like I see what you're doing, and like I understand why you're doing that, but also I just kind of like it's not really as appealing as it should be. Like that's metaphor.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so well, kind of so like, well thought out. Yeah. So yeah, very
1: specific. No, yeah Yeah. speaking of which i'm gonna go off the track a little bit and you know i know sometimes uh we go off track a little bit but we got some feedback through the week that people like it when we just go off on a complete tangent so i'm gonna do that right now have you guys seen the video of the bodybuilder who's like having a shower at the beach and there's a guy like up the top that's like squirting shampoo onto his head as he's trying to rinse himself off
2: i haven't no no
1: oh that is an absolute pisser if you just like put it into YouTube, you'll find it straight away. It's like bodybuilder shampoo with a beach. And there's a guy and he keeps like... prank? Is that it? Yeah, it's oh, it'd be something like that where he's like, he keeps trying to like wash the salt water off himself, but because he's got shampoo, like this guy keeps squirting shampoo on his head from like above on like a walkway. And he ends up with all this like soapy stuff all over him and he keeps like trying to wash it out, but the guy keeps spraying him with more shampoo and he keeps just getting soapier and soapier and angry and angry, and he can't work out. That like if he just looked up, he'd see a guy with a bottle of shampoo.
2: Very amusing. I'm watching it right now. It's very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's jacked as well,
1: yeah, he's just like if he actually worked out what was happening, you'd be the dude up the top would be a big drop. I don't
2: know if he I don't know if he can look that high because his uh his track like is so yeah, yeah. It's good gear. It's good stuff.
1: Man. I like your commitment to this, Rob, that you've actually gone and just watched it straight away so you know exactly what I'm talking about and there's no delay in your uptake of the information. That's dedication. Yeah, right there. I missed
2: out. If I feel like if I'd looked up the cheese wheel straight away, it would have saved um, me a lot of uh, blemish. <laughs> but uh, I also just enjoyed being in the moment there and just not knowing yeah. what was oh, yeah. going
1: on. Well, apparently there's, a, um, yeah, apparently there's a restaurant in Newstead that does it, so... You know, I've got, oh, I got so- a, 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 a nice man on Instagram who sent me a couple of different cheese. He's giving me, like, his top five cheese wheel restaurants now. So, we're, Do you reckon uh,
2: if, you know, our fantasy doesn't work out for us, we could um slip into Italian cuisine? Or
1: I think I, like, I could be a food reviewer, like a blogger oh, for sure. Maybe we could do, like, yeah. That'd be really good. Well, once you guys both move to Queensland, we can just start doing restaurant reviews. Whew.
2: We can be, yeah, we can be, like, ratatouille. Like from that movie, yeah. Ratatouille.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Speaking of Ratatouille, we'll go to the next player on the list. <laughs> and just like Ratatouille, I don't know who Benjamin Takura is either. No, I know what oh. is, but who's Benjamin Takura? You always what, one what of these, eh? here? What's, what's He's the Broncos, go? right? As a few. Yeah, you know you know what's actually funny is somehow we've ended up with Jaden Burrell on our list for today as well. Just. Yes, he's always there, eh? <laughs> he loves it. He's just like, I don't know how it happens, but Ben Takura, 230K mid for the Broncos. I don't even know if he's on the bus, but he's definitely not in their round one team.
0: Yeah, <sighs> that's enough. I yeah, think, and um, I'm just, I'm not, Broncos- I'm not even going to
1: waste a hit up. I'm going to do just, a, I'm going to do yeah. a run out of dummy half here. Yeah. I'm gonna do a yeah. dummy half. I'm
0: do a Reese I'm Robson hit yeah. three meters. He, he played. A, the, he no, played in the trial on the weekend against Manly. That uh, a yeah. players that aren't going to Vegas.
1: Yeah, that no, tells no, you. It's, you need it's to not even the Reese Robson some. one. It's a uh, it's a Joey Mano dummy half scoot. I'm gonna gonna give you the quality. <laughs> if he wasn't on the bus to Brisbane to Vegas with Brisbane to Vegas, which is not is not a buy. Take him out of the team right now. If you say the word placeholder to me, I'll slap you. I just it's just don't say it. Like, it's not
2: say, an appropriate placeholder.
1: And and don't don't do placeholders at all. But if you're gonna do one, pick somebody who's more than likely gonna play. Pick like, you know, you could pick Billy Army for Fido if you want a 230k mid that you want to just lap in there. Like at least he's a chance of making the team. There's no way that Bentakura is making the team with the like he's like the fifth emergency option, like for the Broncos. There'll be like three injuries before he's even on the on the bench. Like he's just not there. And You should practice perfect, which is make a team that you think is a chance of you're actually being the team that you use in round one. Don't just put in dues and go, oh, it's a placeholder. 230K placeholders are the most dog shit move you can do because you're just setting unrealistic expectations for yourself and what you're going to be able to do with the rest of your team with a bunch of 230K guys in there. So just don't do it. Happy with that? Any problems? Any problems with that, boys?
0: Play the ball, mate. You've been tackled after your scoot. Play the ball. Play the ball. All right. Play it on.
1: Nico Hines. Nico Hines. Sharks legend. Nico Hines, 15.95% ownership. Combined with Nathan Cleary and Payne Haas, they make over 100% ownership, which means there are people out there that are running double strat. I've seen plenty of teams running Cleary Hines or Cleary Haas. Uh, Cleary Hines seems to be, it's going out of vogue. It's a little bit like, uh, Rob, I don't know if he grew up in a house with like like a a textured wall or like some wallpaper or some something like that you know Oh no I Do feel you remember yeah. Wallpaper? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Yeah I feel like yeah, I feel like running the Cleary strat is a little bit like having wallpaper at home like you know it was cool you know when when it all started but you know I think we're slowly working out that that's not the best thing and I mean Nico Heinz he's uh, going to have his base eroded which people keep saying they don't care about but uh, I mean we care about that um because uh that's important and the other part of it is, you know, at some point, you're never going to sell Nico Hines if you own him. And at some point, his soft schedule is going to stop being a soft schedule and you're going to be going, oh, Nico Hines, why isn't he scoring that well? His base is really low. He keeps dropping points. What's going on here, Rob? Talk some sense into the, the Hines people, mate. I feel like we're, they're ready to go off the edge. They're ready to rip the wallpaper off and just paint it a nice dual lexicon, but, you know, tip them over the edge.
2: I think we've talked about this just so much. It's the, the base being eroded is from Trindle coming in instead of Moylan. Moylan is like fantasy crack for the other person that plays in the halves with that person. Um, it well, He was for Hines. He was for Sean Johnson. He was for, I don't even know who else. Um, but Hines. James Maloney. Yeah, James Maloney. That's the one. There, the, I knew there was another fill up. Um, but we don't have that anymore. Trindle's actually pretty handy, can kick. Um, and I just I just think a lot of the issues that the Sharks had last year were just relying on Heinz too much. And he disappears in big games. We've seen it. We saw it at Origin. Um, although they completely misused him, possibly not his fault. We still saw it in the Hey, Rob, are
1: you saying you are you saying that the blues misused one of their players? <laughs>
2: I'm actually looking forward to. Um, no, nah, uh, it wouldn't. Yeah, no. Uh, do you think? Do you think it's going to might be a little bit more uh, two sided this year? No, nah,
1: I think Madge is a Queensland sleeper agent.
2: I, I also do, but I uh, at least it might be a competitive series.
1: I think Madge would be a Queenslander, Ryan. What do you think?
0: Yeah.
2: I don't see. He why not. seems like
1: a guy that would be a Queenslander. Do you think you he know?
2: coached the Kiwis long enough to be a Queenslander? <laughs> is that how it works? Maybe, probably. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, where did I go? Heinz. Um. The, yeah, I just think the 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 soft schedule is possibly a bit of a red herring. Um. And he is going to do really really well. I I do think that unless his injury is is proper, which we do we think it is. Like, do we oh, think he's going to miss much I don't think so. with the start of his... Think- yeah. Then it's, you know, it's Warriors, which is not easy. We're going to win the Mining Premier, but we'll talk about that later. Canterbury, <laughs> Tigers, um, Raiders by Rabbits, Cows. Raiders, Dragons. Like, there's nothing much in there. Rabbits is tough. Cows are going to be good. But there's nothing too much there. But it's the... It's the run after that, isn't it? Where he might he might go from being a sixty five seventy average to a uh, l- 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 what do we think? What's realistic? I still Early think 60s. high sixties for Hines.
1: Yeah, yeah. Here's here's the question though. Round ten, he comes up against the Storm. Then he's got the Roosters, Panthers. Eels, if he's not selected for Origin, but uh, the 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 hot mail is that Madge Madge likes the Cleary Hines combo, comes out of Origin into the Broncos, plays the Mighty Dolphins. You know, are you going to have the courage to sell Nico Hines in round ten? There's no way at the start of the year you're not. There's no way you're You're holding him through the whole year. And yep. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna probably need to be rested after Origin if he's playing eighty minutes every week in three Origin games in a row. He misses he's round twenty though as well. He's yeah, exactly. And I mean, like to be honest, actually, I'm looking through this schedule now, and outside of the four game stretch between round ten and round twelve, like ten, eleven, twelve, and. And like 13, whether or not he gets picked for origin. So three games. Outside of that three game stretch, I don't know if I've ever seen a team with a softer full season schedule. So maybe he can just go the whole, maybe you can just go the whole way. Is Ryan, this is what I want to know. When you were doing your shoey at the Story Bridge Hotel in Brisbane when the Sharks won the grand final, did you look over and see Peter Volandis in a Sharks jersey doing one with you? <laughs> That's what I want to know. I've never seen a yes. team get more like it, this is two years in a row of like do they just play the dragons and the titans and the tigers on alternate every once every three weeks and that's the only teams <laughs> that they play against? It's how actually do they get it's a Canberra it's a piss 2 take. in the
2: first
1: it's, ten. It's, it's I, but even then I feel like they play Canberra and the dragons and the tigers five times through the year each team.
2: I don't yeah, know how the they Dragon do it. The they the dragons Canberra again twice. around
1: twenty five.
2: The bulldogs twice. What a joke.
1: What's going on here? There's only one game against the Panthers or the Broncos all year, I'm sure. Oh, they play him. Yeah, they play him in round t- 12 and round 14, and that's the only time they play the Panthers or the Broncos all year. Yeah,
0: and they it's only play Melbourne it's, once it's, as well. They're
1: having a laugh. Melbourne once, the Roosters once. once,
0: well, uh, Rabbitohs twice. Yeah, no, this is – yeah, There's got to be an
1: investigation into this, boys.
0: Straight that's a joke, up. eh?
2: The only the only scary okay. part is that Melbourne Sydney Penrith Para Broncos run, isn't it? Yeah.
0: But
1: yeah,
0: to uh, to bring but. it back, like we, we we don't even have to guess what Hines does with Trindle. Like we saw it last year, he played six games at Trindle last yeah. year around 21 to 27. Um he averaged 69, nice. But that's four Ooh, points nice. lower than what he's priced at. So, like, you're still getting yeah. a very good player. It's just you're overpaying for him. Less. His yeah. his, uh, his kick-meter percentage with Trindle in the side was 53%. So, like, he goes from being a, you know, 80 to 90% kicker with Moylan mm-hmm. to, yeah,
1: 53%. The only argument that I'll make in the pro Nico column to that, and I, I only know this because I try to be as objective to this as possible, is in the last couple of games he was carrying an injury and... Mm you'll notice the Trindle, Trindle kick meters went up and he actually surrendered the goal kicking to Tr- Trindle a bit as well. Yeah. Um, not entirely, but even in the semi final, Trindle kicked the first one, missed it, and then Nico took over. Um, mm-hmm. So I wonder if maybe there's an element of there was an injury that was being carried there and and had that not been the case, what that would have looked like.
0: Uh, I, yeah, I mean that could be the case. Maybe Heinz still is an absolute weapon, and he averages low seventies again. Uh, you know, again this year. But then it, it goes back to the Haas argument, where like you're just paying for two top end players at value. If you get what I mean, like you're paying for. Okay. You know, it, 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 is there much difference between like Heinz and Haas in terms of mm. like you're paying for what you're getting, plus you're having Cleary as well.
1: All right. Well, do, okay. So it seems like Ryan. Uh, What I heard you just say is don't bother with Nathan Cleary and just get Nico Hines.
2: There you go. Don't. There you go. (laughs) If if you want to get Hines, get him instead of Cleary, but then don't do that because that's a very thing to do. Yeah, don't do
1: that. Yeah. Although all I'm saying is Calum Ponga plays the Bulldogs in the week that Nico Hines is on his bye. That's all I'm saying. So, are you saying just presenting information? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm just presenting information with no bias to it at all. Moving on, we're going to call Nico Hines a stud, but with asterisks on it, and and probably don't buy him in round one. Jesse Arthurs, Rob, he played fullback for the Maori team. Um, He's going to play winger for the Broncos. 15.75% of teams. Uh, he has been in i i feel this ownership percentage is um born out of an element of uh, i don't want to use the word malpractice but it's it's uh, it's up there um from um some suggestions from other people in the uh in the space that Arthur's might be a buyer despite us having a long storied history of him being a rubbish fantasy asset on the wing do you have any Thoughts whatsoever about the potential of Arthur's scoring in the mid-30s despite consistently averaging under 30 on the wing, or do you think this is a trap?
2: Um, I think it's – I don't uh, – what are we saying is a trap? I think a trap is less than 10 points at this price, right?
1: i did I'll, I'll even go eight. I'd I'll, I'll give it eight.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be six to seven and – it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be a fun ownership. I think he's very tri-dependent. I think he had a phenomenal season. I think he's a good NRL player, and I got nothing against him. But I, I just don't see the value. I think a lot of people are getting sucked into them being a good team and him having a good season and him having jewel perhaps. And maybe it's even that there's no – we just haven't been getting these kind of two, $300,000 um, – Mm -hmm. wing fullback options, but I just don't see it. I just, he's so, yeah, he's so tri-dependent and uh, yeah, I I don't get it for me.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Ryan, he's got a, a 20 game career wing history here where he plays at least 71 minutes. And three of them was before the PVL ball, but given the size of the sample size, I want to include it for the sake of making my point. And, and it goes on to what Rob said about the enjoyment of what you're going to have experiencing owning this player. So I just want to actually take the time, and this is the only player I'm going to do this with on this episode, and I apologise to everybody that sat through 92 minutes of this episode to listen to me list off 20 scores. But I want to read this out to you, Ryan, and you tell me how much fun you think you'd have at owning this player and having them in your scoring 17. 16, 34, 5. 15, 43, 7, 14, 15, 23,
0: 39, 28, 30, 33, 30, 28, 29, 20, 22, 43, 22. How much fun do you reckon that would be? Uh, up there with uh, Mark <laughs> doing an ACL on a basketball court, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just not fun, um, is it? The only time I've ever had fun owning Jesse Arthurs was when he was playing center for the Titans as like a oh the tackle bot oh
2: yeah two hundred and twelve
0: k cash cow who made about twenty tackles a game at center yeah that's the only time I've enjoyed owning him yeah
1: no unless he's playing center he's a he's a hard avoid Yeah. yeah and he's he's actually so much of a hard avoid Ryan that I'm gonna actually not even count that as your hit up and I'm gonna let you do the next one here
0: okay are you ready. Yep, this no, is the man. I'll, I'll, I'll be Jared worry Hargreaves so this hit up.
1: <laughs> yeah, all right. You're tele- telegraphing in here and he's going to crunch you. This is Spencer Lenny at 15.7%, 395K. Obviously moves over from the Panthers to the Roosters. Uh, Potentially locks up a starting role, although not necessarily. Uh, And, you know, strong PPM option. Uh, But he's already priced at 29, which even if he's at one point a minute means he needs to play around that 40 minutes a game. To be a value, he's a fantastic operator in that sort of 30 to 35 minutes off the bench in a premiership winning team. The Roosters have a lot of middle forward depth. Is there any way that you can see Lenio sort of cracking enough like that 40 to 45 minutes consistently every week to guarantee that selection?
0: Uh, well, in short, no. Um, yeah, like he's going from one team that had a lot of cooks in the kitchen in the middle to uh, another team that has a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Like, you know, you've got Radley. Okay. Maybe if Radley gets suspended, which is certainly an inevitability, uh, maybe then we could see Lenny push up a bit, but like you've got Radley playing big minutes. You've got Lindsay Collins, obviously the, I think yeah, the, the staple of this forward pack, um, You've got a uh, ageing Marie Hargreaves in his farewell tour. You've got Connor Watson, who's going to play in the middle, uh, and whoever else they pick on the bench, whether it be you know, May, maybe Crichton in the middle as well. Uh, there's just a lot of players here. Lenu's never really been more than a 40-minute guy, and I don't know if he's served by playing more than that. Um, it's I, I don't want to call him a dud necessarily, because I, I think it is possible Like he averages, say, 37 36 which is is not a disaster but it's not what you want either
1: (laughs) no exactly right it's a bit like using a multi-tool to cut a a, like a tree like a tree branch like it'll do the job but is that really the best you know like it's not it's not not a good way of doing it you know does that make sense yeah (laughs) precisely yeah well it's like, it's you, like it'll, uh, it'll, it'll work
2: 27 hours, eh? like trying to cut yeah. your arm off with the
1: yeah so like, uh, like, no. just don't do it to yourself <laughs> don't do it
2: yeah speaking
1: of don't do it to yourself rob Mav guy i'm not going to use this to hit up i'm going to do another joey manu scoot it's the same situation with takura people are lobbing a player into the team name they recognize um not him but You know, dad, and I mean, at some point, Mav Guy is going to have fantasy relevance for us. We are going to be talking this year 100%. I'm 100% sure we're going to be talking about Mav Guy as a buyer. Guy or the buyer at some point this year. But it's not right now. Likewise, Jaden Campbell, who's not going to play in round one or round two and maybe not round three at 15% ownership, guys. This is way too high. Wake up. If you're still asleep, 96 minutes, wake up. Take him out of your team. I'm sure nobody in that's listening to this podcast actually has him in there, so we won't spend too much time on this. But, boys, he's obviously one. Once he is back and fit and firing and ready to go, and we see he's ready to go, uh, Rob, I think it's your hit-up. Uh, Jaden Campbell is going to be a buy once he's ready to go, but right now uh, not, not as much.
2: Yeah, that's something that Ryan talked about. Earlier is that he will be a bye at some point. We we all had him in our team to start the season, and he got hurt. So, yeah, I think probably round four or five. They're on the buy round two. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Correct. Um, so perhaps round. Just, three just for
1: the record, Rob, you're the uh, you're the most interniest non intern here. So you're supposed to be telling us that, not the other way around.
2: <laughs> all right, mate. I had that. I had it right. No, I just wanted the confirmation. Um, yeah. Okay. The so it would yeah it would be really nice. We've we've done all of the work on the analysis on Jaden Campbell. He is going to be really good when he comes in. So, look, he might be someone that if you fail somewhere else, if someone gets hurt, Ryan said Pappenhausen, I don't want to believe that, so I'm just not going to touch that. Um, I just think Peppenhausen's going to go to the moon. But if there's someone else that fails, um, slot him in. He's going to be great, but don't start with him. Wake up.
1: Yep. No, exactly right. Good stuff. Ryan, anything to add, or do you want to go on to your uh,
0: favorite player? No, I mean, we don't need to add more. He's not playing round one. He's a stud, but he's not available. So move on.
1: Yep. No, no worries. Speaking of guys who aren't available. um, No, this guy is available, but, you know, last year, Yeah, really, rarely so. Brandon Smith started last year. Everyone had him last year. Uh, I think it was like 37% or something last year. We all jumped on. Much lower this year at 14.8%. His price point is pretty similar to where he was last year. Obviously, um, Ryan, we were a bit dubious maybe last year about his role, but uh, I think I saw enough last year in the games where he wasn't dealing with a rib cartilage or a broken thumb or a whatever else he had wrong with him um, to see enough to sort of want to lob him into my team for this year. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I've currently got him sitting in my side. Um, I, I think maybe one of the big differences is uh, there's no Jake Turpin lur- lurking on the bench who is a special yeah. who was a specialist hooker versus Connor Watson who obviously can play hooker, but that's not necessarily, like, his one defined role. Like, he is going to be used in the middle as well. Uh, So I I don't think we necessarily have to look over our shoulder of, is Brandon Smith going to only play 45 this week? Is he going to get shuffled to the interchange? Like, I feel like that risk is gone now with Turpin gone. Like, I don't... I'm not sweating... Connor Watson coming into the starting hooker role and playing 50 minutes. Um, yeah. So I feel like a little bit of that risk is avoided. Uh, and when he was healthy last year, like he was, he was good, honestly. Um, mm. Like when he when he played at least 60 oh. minutes, he averaged, what, 49 and a half with his lowest try scoring rate ever. So I, I mm-hmm. think there's, there's a bit of upside here. I think it's possible he could average low 50s.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was sort of waxing lyrical about him. And I mean, I know uh boom will bust you or get angry at me if I don't credit him for it because he wrote the article on him and and was pretty high on him and I sort of I I'd been sort of moving him in and out and I had a really close look at him and, and found some numbers similar to what you mentioned Ryan and and ever since then I've sort of had him uh like duct taped into my team so he's uh you know he's in there unless something drastic sort of happens and and Rob I know you, um you're a big Brandon Smith guy big big fan of the cheese wheel so you'll you'll be in there as well
2: big cheese guy. I also think he's a he's a pretty good vice captain option if you want to lock it in round 1.
1: Mm. Yeah, maybe. I don't know but how also, about that. Well, well it I'll just probably,
2: depends like
0: I'll probably have the vice see on him.
2: If you don't oh, yeah. want to lock someone in round two, or in, sorry, in week two of round one. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. I, okay. I, I, I want to be water. Like, I, I don't want to lock in. Like, oh, even like, mm. like, I've currently got Jermaine Hopgood in my side, but I don't really want to lock the cap, mm. vice captaincy on him in case I yeah, want to yeah, yeah. shift no, tax. I'm, I'm
1: with you. No, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. No, I okay. just want
0: to lock one rather than two. You know
2: what I mean?
1: Yeah. Imagine how much you'd be sweating bullets if it was like rib cartilage injury off for 27. Like there's just yeah. like a week and a half of just like water and diarrhea <laughs> waiting for the inevitable. Please, Cleary, please, Cleary, <laughs>
2: please, Cleary. <laughs> how, how many people would have already locked Cleary at that point? Oh, uh,
1: everybody. Everybody that sorry, counts. Everybody. Yeah. It's like, you know, get the news like like one minute after the kickoff that Nathan Clary decided to stay behind in England for an extra week with Mary Fowler <laughs> and he's not available round one or something like that.
2: Classic. Yeah, I think. At that point, the Haas, the Haas people would 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 feel vindicated, but um, <laughs> I just <laughs> I just don't want it. Don't give, want they go on full the point. Yeah,
1: <laughs> if you're not not familiar with that, go and watch Brooklyn Nine Nine on Netflix Brooklyn right right
2: so good. was what, 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 what you doing, Rip, go and watch sorry.
1: all of it, come back and finish it, finish the podcast. Um, yep. Yeah. All right. Brandon Smith is good. Brons- Bronson Sherry. I-, I don't think he's going to be named in round one. I think that ownership's going to drop 14.5%. Um, even if he is named uh, at, at a 33, I think he could probably do better, but probably going to have to spend some more money. Uh, Ryan, this feels to me like a price point based decision more than anything else.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's looked decent in the trials as well. Like he's been named to in both trials, So it, it wouldn't shock me if he is playing left center. Um, uh, I mean, he has been okay. Like, it's just. Right, center? Isn't that Stephen Cron? Maybe I'm wrong. Um, Stephen time. No. Oh, okay. Either way, playing center. Mm. Playing center. Um, yeah, like, I mean, this is a faith based decision, really, isn't it? Because, like, we don't really have any data on Terry since he got suspended all those years ago. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really you're just taking a punt that he's going to be decent and you're basing it off what you've seen in the trial so far. So, look, if you're feeling uh, confident about it, you know, yeah, God bless you. Good luck. Um, yeah. I'm going to lead him through to the keeper there.
1: Yeah. I, I almost would say not good luck. I mean, because somebody needs to not win and and making that decision would just, you know, eliminate some competition for us. It will be nice. Speaking of people making decisions to eliminate some competition, uh, Rob, it seems like our next guy here at 13.2% is just uh, people hoping for a rerun of the Cardi Party. But, uh, Rob, I don't know if you've ever been to, like, an after party where you turn up after, like, the regular party that was really, really fun, and then you turn up to the after party and, like... They're like the you're going to someone, they they still live with their parents, and the parents are asleep upstairs, and you got to be real quiet. And then there's just a bunch of like dudes sitting around, and it's like four o'clock in the morning, and you're just wishing you got a taxi home and went to bed. And that's Jed Cartwright for me.
0: <laughs> Jed
2: Cartwright, it's crazy. I was having a look at um Bryce Cartwright and was like, he's only 0.8%. <laughs> what are we talking about him for? <laughs> It's Jude, yeah, mate. You, you, you got to get out of that party, eh? That is, yeah, that is no good. That is no good. Yeah, you got you to turn around and go. I actually,
1: it. I went to a party when I was seventeen where I like I hadn't really drunk that much before. I was a late bloomer, guys, don't judge me. And um, we had this bottle of Bundaberg Rum sitting in the cupboard for like years, and no one ever drank it. And I was like, oh, can I take this to the to the, this party, Mum, and I took like this, like two thirds of a bottle of rum with me to this house party, and I like drank the entire volume of it in about forty-five minutes, and then spent like the next four hours projectile vomiting into a garden, and and that's how I feel, right. That's how I feel about Jed Cartwright, Ryan.
0: You, you know what this is? This is uh, that uh, that famous uh, Christmas party from your your workplace where um, old maid bartender started the party in Townsville and ended up in Air. Someone started a party in Parramatta <laughs> and they've ended up in Newcastle.
1: <laughs> what a fate. Oh, what, a, what a time. Yeah, no, we had a um, – no, shout out. Shout out to – you know, we're, we're here at 100 minutes. I feel like we're, we're we're in the circle of trust here now. We can talk about this. We had a, uh, a staff Christmas party on a cheap Tuesday in Townsville at the Mad Cow with $2 drinks. We got a $1,000 bar tab and we decided to use it on a Tuesday night to maximize the value at $2 a drink. And um, I had a staff member this when I was working in this restaurant. Uh, he was supposed to come in and open with me the next day. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, mind you. This is not an early shift. And I got a phone call at like 1 o'clock saying, oh, yeah, I can't come in. Uh, I've woken up in a completely different city that's an hour away to, <laughs> to where we lived." And he's like, I don't know how I got here. I have no idea how I'm going to get home, but I'm not going to be able to make it to work today. I have just thought that was that was like the it was the 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 best phone call I've ever received in my life.
0: And that's what this is. They've started the party in Parramatta. Yeah. They've woken up in Newcastle the next day. Yep,
1: yeah. <laughs> just really confused and just disorientated. This is not this is not it, not it. Fantasy coaches. Now, guys, Kiana Keeney. I I realize that we might have a part to play in this. He's at thirteen percent. We've been talking him up. We've been, you know, jazzing him up. Jaden Campbell did an interview uh, uh, with about 10 minutes to go in the Titans trial this afternoon where they played a team that I don't remember, the Eels. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, and apparently he said he's going to be good to go in round three. So it's a one-week bikini experience, which, you know, is, is kind of like the dissolving bikini more than anything. You know, have you seen those, Rob? Those... Keenies you can buy where they you put as soon as you put them in water they dissolve.
2: Mm, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. No it's,
1: no, it's not not good for fantasy. So it's uh yeah no no good no good here. Kini, I think um at this point you know given given that information we were sort of we were on a really thin time frame as it was like for round five and round three or or thereabouts. It's just a you know it's a really red you know like Ryan, it's it's kind of the you know the sound that really big siren sound like the abort mission big time
0: yeah for sure especially with the buy in round two uh it's yeah, yep. it's, it's it's no good it's uh yeah it, it's a shame but leave him through to the keeper
1: yep no worries now uh brendan hands his next 12.45 percent ownership this feels to me like another rookie mistake that people are making where they're You know, they've got the choice between Hands and Lussick. And, you know, in this situation, the conventional wisdom for the experienced fantasy coach is to choose the more expensive of the two options and put them in your team. So even if the cheaper of the two options gets the job, just means you've got more money to play with rather than like a lot of times what people will find is, you know, the inexperienced coaches, they'll put the cheaper option in to try to squeeze more guys in that they want into their team. And they end up, you know, hitting TLT where the more expensive guy gets chosen and they can't pick that. You know they can't work that team out that they were that we're trying to do. So uh, Ryan, this just feels a little bit like that. Where hands, you know, he's you know he started last year. They bought Lusik in. Lusik was the guy, uh, and you know he sort of didn't start trial one, and then was the starter in trial two with all the starters, and, and that seems to be the way they're going.
0: Yeah, that does seem to be the way they're going. And yeah, uh, I think it's like you said, plug in the more expensive option, and that way, if uh, you get the cheaper option, you've, you've got to, you don't have to scramble um, come TLT. Yep. No. Perfect.
1: Lovely. Uh, Rob, I assume you don't have anything to add to that, so I'm going to give you the option to comment on another cheaper option. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like this particular player seems to prop up every year as somebody who's cheap and inexperienced. Fantasy coaches tend to gravitate towards them at twelve point three three percent, where they, um, you know, they go, oh, "Such such player. they you know, they they're a great fullback." You know, this, why are they so cheap? I'm going to buy them. It's Blake Taff. Obviously, uh, looks set to get the Bulldogs jersey in round one, although not necessarily um, doing a huge amount to endear themselves, But, um, and obviously was a, a good player at the Rabbitohs, but, you know, not necessarily translating defensive success in 12.33% 3, 3, of teams. Seems to be maybe a um, a function of uh, people going for players' names they recognize rather than good fantasy options.
2: Yeah, it's probably one of those cheap options at wing fullback. Uh, Ryan and I have both owned him before and have not, uh, I- I'd say, haven't enjoyed it is perhaps a polite way of saying uh, our experience with Blake Taft. Uh, Oh, do we think he's going to kick goals? Probably not, right?
0: No, no chance. Uh, no. No way. Yeah. He's probably like the so third I'd,
2: choice. There's just nothing in it for me.
1: Yeah. No, it's only disappointment.
2: Mm.
1: Yep. All right, let's move on. Let's move to some good options. So that, I'm going to draw a line out of Blake Taff because he is the end of the tier of problem children. So we've got a lot of list of players there. So we got Blake Taff, problem child. Brendan Hands, problem child. Keanu Kenny, problem child. Jed Cartwright, Bronson Cherry, Jaden Campbell, Mav Guy, Spencer Lennie, Jesse Arthur, Nico Hines, Bentakura, all problem children. Kalen Ponga, maybe not. And Brandon Smith, um, definitely a problem child, but for the sake of this exercise, not a problem child. Ryan, Jermaine Hopgood, he's in your team. You want to put the V on him. You're not going to give him your V because he's not playing in Vegas. Uh, but I mean, he's somebody you're really interested in. Talk me through that because I mean, at at that price, at 837k, 11.8 percent of people obviously agree with you. But for me, this it conveys a lot of trust in Brad Arthur's sanity, which I don't know if I can get on board with.
0: <laughs> no, and look, I wouldn't blame you. Um, no, look, to be honest, I, I'm I'm quite high on Hopgood, especially after today's trial as well, where Ryan Madison didn't even touch the field. Um, in the initial trial team list, he wasn't named. Um, like He was named at 18. So, look, uh, it seems like he might be a little bit in the doghouse here. And, uh, look, uh, I, the reason why I don't want to lock the uh, vice-captaincy on him as well is, like, I do want to see that final team list um, on the Tuesday. But, for me, this feels like uh, I feel like Hopgood can go to a bigger gear l- this year. Like last year, it was sort of his, it was his first year as a fully-fledged starter. Um, he had the odd game where he was getting shifted to the bench, maybe playing a little less minutes here and there. I, I feel like this is the year where, like, he really cements that role and he becomes that guy. Um, and if that is the case you know last year when he played when he, well when he started at lock like not even limiting any minutes he averaged sixty four um he did have obviously that round one game where they went to golden point played eighty four minutes even if you want to take that out it's still a sixty three point three average in just under sixty five minutes so then that's and that's just when he started at lock like obviously there was games where he shifted onto an edge and played bigger minutes so I like I just want to focus on like those lock games um, uh, to you know, get a reasonable idea of what to expect as long as you know you do have trust in brad arthur and uh, I, I don't think brad arthur is is mad and the one thing you sort of can rely on brad arthur is that he uses his starters when they're on the field like he's not afraid to have that zero minute bench forward mm-hmm. so uh, i think um hopgood is up there for the best alternative to Payne Haas as uh as a round one vice captaincy option, or maybe round two for me anyway, moving forward. Um, I know you're quite hot on Cam Murray, who's uh, slightly cheaper as well. Um, But yeah, for me, I I quite like Jermaine Hopgood. I just want to see that first team list as well to confirm that he's in my side. All
1: right. Well, can I make this argument to you? And Rob, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Jermaine Hopgood in games where he plays at least 65 minutes, and I think that is... The expectation, if Madison is not in the team, is that he's going to be 65 to 70, pushing to 80 most weeks. Ryan, is that your expectation before we just... Yeah,
0: I'd say 65. Like, uh, he's going to have the the odd week where he plays 55 and he's going to have the odd week when he plays 70 plus. But I I think on average, you know, 64 to 65 minutes, yeah.
1: Yeah, okay. So in games where he plays at least 65 minutes, so I realise it's a smaller sample. Um, he's got 12 games, averaged 72.8 minutes for 71.1 points, um, not including the, the back row, which is massive, which would make him the third highest scorer and pushing client, Cleary and Hines for for the number one spot. If you take that down to 60-minute starts, lock or like a mid-edge hybrid, um, the sample goes to 17, but it's 65.6 in 69.4 minutes, which is just obviously massive and, and makes him – the third highest scorer. So, I mean, he is uh, significantly cheaper than Payne Haas, 50, 40, 43K cheaper, which is like three points of value. I think I think, I think, think Hopgood has a, a really strong case to be the, um, the number one mid this year. And, I mean, the number one, Rob, the number one redeeming factor in Hopgood's uh, camp is he's not a cockroach.
2: Yeah, that's it. I think if he was, <laughs> if he was, he'd be in the origin team, right? Like, but he's probably not, possibly... mate.
1: Yeah, no, well, they they're going to squeeze Jacob Saifidi or some one of these other drongos in there instead of picking him.
2: Uh yeah. I think I'm with Ryan and just like watching how he mismanaged um, Ryan Madison. Did Madison get hurt? Is that the only explanation? No, the... I
1: just think I think he's on the shit list.
2: He didn't even yeah, touch the field at all. That wouldn't surprise me at all because we know who Ryan Madison is at this point. He's obviously not endeared himself to anyone he's ever met in his life. So,
1: (laughs) is Ryan Madison going to get a release to the Cowboys? That's what I want (laughs) to know.
2: Ryan Madison is such a good footy player. He just is on. He's just obviously
1: locker locker room toxicity.
2: Oh, he's Leilua-esque. He has to be. It's such a shame. But that said, it's phenomenal for Hopgood. And I I think I've been on him for a little while. I think just I've been looking for a vice captain that I can trust that has some value. Like a I would like a high value mid because all of mine are kind of the exact same price. I'm sure we've kind of talked on this, but all of the mids and edges that we want are kind of the exact same price, apart from Murray and Hopgood. They're all like, you know, high four hundreds early five hundreds and then cotter. Um so I like to have different ranges of players and oh yeah he just looked good. I think if Madison is out it's just an absolute fill up. Um yeah I just you've listed all the stats Mark I that was the exact same sample I'd used and if he's if he's not in the origin team, which I think he's just a few away, like maybe Gilbert being out. Did Gilbert play Origin last year? He did, right? No, exactly. no, he had an ACL injury, mate. Not that shoulder no, injury Not, not, not,
1: that, that, would stop, not that, that would stop Tom Gilbert.
2: <laughs> shoulder injury last Gilbert.
0: year. Gilbert. Was yeah. it? Yeah, he did. yeah, it was, he a, was a shoulder, a shoulder. Ego.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. Shoulder, knee, mate. But he's still... He just, it he up. Still he just put the back as me. Off he goes.
2: Um, Hop good from the Origin camp. Like He'll be in the camp, but he won't be. I don't think he'll be playing, which is, again, good. Just... He's a great player. He will play Origin one day. He's just got the heart of a Queenslander, and he's just great to watch.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's a hard thing from Queensland just having so many really good quality elite players. It's just it's really it's a struggle. Hard. To it must to be hard as win. a
2: Penrith fan as well, Look, letting your yeah. absolute best player leave. but
1: <laughs> No, it's um, – no, it's – yeah, no, it's, I think Hobgood, he's great. And, and I mean, yeah. he sort of doesn't really, like, he, he feels a really good role for the Eels in club land. The, the, um, the Queensland team obviously doesn't need him to play that role. That might be part of it. That's why they go for the Fleglers and Foto Acres because they really just need that, like, short-term injection. But I happen. think yeah, Hobgood could play that role as well. Um, he, he, he seemed to me, the big concern for me is he seemed to get a little bit gassed in times last year when he, like, pushed him too hard for too many games in a row. And my concern is is sort of what Ryan said, which is you know playing in that that random fifty five minute game. But without Madison there, my concern around that would definitely decrease. Uh, I think I think the floor would come up by five minutes more than the ceiling would go up for me, and I'd be more comfortable. to use this. 60 minutes minimum sample size where we've got a 17 game sample over a season and a couple of games of of 65.6 average in 69.4 minutes. Like I'd be happy to use that as my sort of baseline, and that gives him about five points of value and and the the third eye score in the game, which is which is great. So
2: love and that. He's only 24 as well. Like he is growing, and we've talked about this for other players. Oh, I think
1: yeah, we've got Harvey yeah, Bay. First
2: year starter, last year, Harvey Bay.
1: Yeah, it's from Harvey Bay. Fraser yeah. Coast. Kigari. Home of the, home of the dingo. Uh, Jamin Salmon. Speaking of something that dingoes eat, I'm sure they'd eat salmons. How's that for a segue?
2: <laughs> they eat babies, mate. What are you talking about?
1: Oh, no. Let's not go into that. Let's not bring it down. <laughs> let's not bring it down at two hours into the podcast. Jamin Salmon. You look start, set to start at lock. Uh, Ryan, I know you're the big uh, silly salmon man. What are, you, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Okay, so okay, so how, okay, I've got two questions here. So Jamin Salmon, I think we loosely discussed it about an hour and 45 minutes ago when I was disorientated. Would you trust Jamin Salmon in your scoring 17 every week or would you prefer him as your 18th man? And then the second question that I have for you is how many <sighs> likes would it take on me posting this episode share... To our social media to get a video of you doing a silly salmon into a pool.
0: <laughs> I don't know what it, I don't know how to do a silly salmon. I don't know where I'm finding a pool. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, mate. I'm, All right,
1: YouTube just... you, you the silly salmon next time. You're uh, you got thirty seconds. Do a rob and just you know get the video up. Next time you got a bit of a break and uh, and come back to us with a number on that. But yeah, in the meantime, give us jamie Seven.
0: Excellent. Um yeah, no, look, he's uh he's gonna be a mid-edge duel eligible in a week or so. Um obviously break even at twenty-one, doesn't have to do much. Starting lock, you'd assume starting at lock he plays at least fifty minutes. Um it's just the bar sets so low there. Uh for me, I, I probably will have him in my scoring seventeen or at least as the seventeenth man who I'm looping with, say a Sam Hughes or a Ben Trobojevic or something like that. Um so yeah, I, I don't have an issue playing him in your seventeen. You got to play someone crap in your seventeen. So <laughs> it's yeah, he'll probably be a, a, my loop option. I'd say, but yeah, looks a slam dunk buy. I think this ownership will be way up in a week or so.
1: Yeah, I definitely think it's just going to be every single person that's on current just going to like sell current, buy salmon, and put the two hundred fifty k in the bank or thereabouts. It's going to be how it rolls out. Uh, Rob, no additional comments here. We move on.
2: No. Silly salmon season.
1: Yeah, silly salmon season. It's a pretty easy one. Uh, Jamal Fogarty, uh, the the mystery man, uh, or the magic man, as as some call it. Uh, Jamal Fogarty, 11.6% ownership. His ownership has somehow increased. Uh, I like to think of it exclusively from us uh, pumping his tyres up, although I feel that maybe KO Weeks has given a pretty good of account of himself as a as a half, and, I mean, there's been an argument made that you know, maybe Fogarty won't take as much of the kicking as what we are suggesting he's going to take, and the Raiders may or may not be good. Who knows? Um, I, I, Raiders, just going to say this right now, and <laughs> Raiders are giving me, like, 2023 Waz vibes where everyone was saying that they were crap, but they had a good forward pack and like a central piece in the spine that everyone was riding off. And, um, you know, pretty solid, you know, outside backs with some upside and they ended up surprising everybody. That's all I'm saying. I'm not going to make any further comments on that. Don't ask any questions. But, uh, Rob, Jamal Fogarty, uh, is he somebody who's been in your team? Because he was in my team for a while and I've sort of, I haven't seen him and I've I've just taken him out out of a a
2: necessity to
1: (laughs) see the players that I'm buying. Where are you at with him?
2: Yeah, I think we took, I think I took him out a similar time to you when we didn't, hadn't seen him or trials and it was just slightly concerning. We didn't really know exactly what was wrong with him or when he'd be back. And uh, that's just kind of eaten into my confidence about him. Um, And then also, yeah, just the other stuff that you'd said about Weeks kind of perhaps doing a bit more than we thought. Uh, I don't know if I believe you that the Raiders will be good, but I certainly don't. Well, I, I just don't think I have the confidence that I had in him. I think all of the like analysis that you did on him is is phenomenal, but it's just it just might not play out uh, the way we thought. He might not be that Sean guy. If he is, we can grab him. Uh, he's still going to be underpriced, um, but I think I'm happy to let it go through uh, to start round one.
1: Ryan, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've never really been a, on the fog train. Uh, I, I can see a few points of value there. Like, I think he's more of an Adam Reynolds type uh, in terms of average. Uh, that said, like, it's it makes it pretty easy to avoid him, given that we haven't seen him at all. He's got a hamstring injury. We know how uh, those can pop up again. Um, mm. Yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm pretty happy to leave him.
1: Yeah, And I mean, we'll see if we can get the NRL physio out of bed and um, on the pod to see if we can have a chat to him before round one because I'd like to pick his brains on this. Um, Ricky's given us the the party line, which is that he's trying to um, preserve him for round one because he's so critical to the team, which would put me down to the Sean Johnson vibe, not the Adam Reynolds vibe. Uh, but, guys, I remember you being similarly disinterested in Sean Johnson last year. That's all I'm saying.
0: Sean John Johnson uh, was healthy last year. Yeah, oh, John Johnson had a great it depends if
1: you year. depends who you ask, mate. If you listen to every, you know, physio on the planet that were telling you he was washed, and Rob was trying to call for his, you know, resignation, and he was selling him off, selling the whole KR for a pack of M and M's.
0: Him and yeah. Dallin, sell them off.
2: Sold him off. <laughs> I think. Yeah, but just because. That we we saw pretty soon there, like after the Warriors started, that he was a buy, and if we'll see that with um, Fogarty as well, yeah. and I think especially because there isn't like a, I suppose it's going to be getting the money to buy him, isn't it? Um, but I think last year it was Dewey getting hurt meant that I could get Sean. Mm. There'll be someone that gets hurt. There always is. Oh
1: man, that was so long ago that Adam Dewey was a buy. Yeah, I Adam was Dewey like- actually started
2: quite well, but. Yeah, uh, no, he
1: was in. He was in like three of the top five finishing teams last year. So,
2: yeah, but they that um, to Sean trade was just an absolute fill up, <laughs> round yeah, three oh, or four or whatever it was.
1: Yeah, it was like one of the better trades of the year, along with getting Kalen Ponger at four hundred and sixty three k and getting Sean Johnson at like five twenty two or something like that. Yeah, times were simpler back then. Um, speaking of times being simple. Sean Lane last year, Ryan, was a bit of a disappointment, uh, obviously coming back off a broken jaw, lost a bunch of weight, and he's now been shuffled to not starting in the trial today, which, you know, obviously we we bang on about people not reading too much into the trials. Maybe it could be that they were trying to decide whether they wanted to go the the slug or the cardi party for Lane's partner, and that's why they moved him. But, I mean, does, does the move from Lane to the bench concern you at all? And, and you know, what's your confidence level? I'd like to get a number out of 10 on Lane specifically because I actually I don't really know what my answer to that question is. So I'd, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts.
0: Uh, I, w- I wouldn't panic too much uh, given that Junior Paulo also got shuffled to the bench. Um, I think if Lane is named to start round one, uh, I I wouldn't be too uncomfortable starting with him. I don't have him in my side currently. I, I think he's probably a high forties guy, which is fine. Um, I just think with the abundance of edge options we've got this year, I'm probably going to skip Lane just because he is a little bit more expensive than a lot of them, like Lukey, Piakora, Tupanua, James Salmon. Like they're all he's all he's expensive than all of them, um, even Sean Bloor, If that was to somehow eventuate, uh, so I, I think maybe a, a six for, for Sean Lane. Uh, Yeah. He's not a dud.
1: Yeah, so you're lukewarmly confident but not emotionally. You're not passionate about it.
0: No, well, there's just so many other cheaper options with the same amount of value, if not more, that um, I'm probably going to have to let him go.
1: Yep, understand that. Uh, Rob, do you have any strong feelings about that or do you want to um, take the opportunity to go for a uh, hanging shit on Sean Johnson for the second year in a row?
2: I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk shit about my man. Um no, Lena's I think Lena's just one I had in my team until we saw some mail on Piakura, and then I just swapped him back again. I've kind of just had him in and out of my team all off-season, but mm-hmm. I'll make a call later.
1: Yeah, he feels, feels like a um, you know, like a moving chess piece. Like if it makes sense you buy him, if it doesn't make sense you don't buy him type of dude. Yeah. Yep. Sean Johnson though, he is at 11.16% Ownership, which it feels like is higher than what it was last year when it was 550. Obviously, a lot of people are really excited about Sean Johnson. This is the Waz resurgence. Um, at 872K, you have to imagine that Sean Johnson has reached his ceiling. However, however um, he did have a couple of games last year where he surrendered the goal kicking due to some uh, injuries. And, you know, maybe the Waz, I know there's a... The Wise faithful are, are, are maybe saying that, that the Wise can go all the way this year. So, you know, Rob, Rob I'm going to give you an opportunity to redeem yourself here because last year you were trying to chip him off. Um, how do you feel about Sean Johnson this year for Fantasy and do you think that there's a chance that he can go to another gear um, and, and take the Wise all the way with the addition of two of us at Um They're putting the band together. Obviously, they lose Adam Vanilla Blake at the end of the year. So... You know what? What are your
2: thoughts there? There's a few things going on. I think Sean had his career year last year. I think he should have got the Deli M just for the Um. totality of the season. Whereas Kalen just had that one miracle run. Um, But I, I do think just fantasy and ceiling wise, that I can't really see him doing a whole lot better than he did last year. He's another year older. I still think he's phenomenal. I, I think he just had one of the best seasons I've ever seen last year. it was just a a joy to watch, but I just think it's just going to be really hard for him to do it again. Um, But that said, you know, like, I think he's still an incredible player. He's a great option. I think he's just, I just kind of resigned to him being a great draft option. Um, The couple of points of value from goal kicking are neither here nor there for me, I think I've probably got him in a pain house kind of, um, position of <laughs> uh, not having a lot of value and am. not having not really having um, enough space in my team for two kind of guys like that.
1: Yeah, and i uh, so I see uh, he kicked a goal in all but three games last year, and and one of them was in the middle of the year, so maybe that was just a function of them not being very good in that game. But uh, it was only the last last two games of the year. Ryan, um, I know Robs had noted was hater. Uh, and your noted WAS supporter, um, do you have a difference of opinion or do you think Rob's on the money here?
0: No, I tend to agree with everything he said. Um, I think this is 11% of WAS fans who just want to watch their man, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> you just want to cheer for your, your favourite player, go for it. Um, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to see how he can improve on a career year. So uh, maybe he does, but even in, if he does, it's like, Uh, I don't know how he can be like Nico Hines Cleary level. So maybe if he improves, it's like 65, but then it's like, is that really worth it? But yeah, I don't think Mm. much more needs to be said.
1: What's actually stopping him from going to a Nico Hines Cleary level?
0: I just don't think he's that kind of player. Like he's not that kind of like real ball runner anymore. Like he's only running for like 50, 60 metres a game. Yeah, Um, it's no
1: 237 metres in the uh, losing Panthers, uh, Nathan Cleary, uh, you know, four years in a row losing to an English team. N- none of that. None <laughs> of the Russell Westbrook, Nathan Cleary stat padding going on there. Sean Johnson, all class, no ass.
2: He really found his rhythm, I think, just being that player. I think often there was a lot of pressure on him to be that running ball player, but just kind of controlling yeah. the team last year, having a having the ball on a string, and just his passing game mm. was excellent. Oh. His passing game was really good. So man, they
1: got and they got Roger and Chans and Dallin. Like he doesn't need to actually run the ball at all.
2: Yeah, like, I just think he's going to put guys into gaps. His his try assists yeah. are going to be phenomenal again. But I just yeah, yeah. I think he's going to be excellent. I think he's going to be a really good player. But yeah, draft mm. option on probably for for now.
1: Yeah. What, the Waz are the team that I'm, like, fluctuating the most on. I had them, like, out of the eight in the Hot Takes episode. I've shuffled them back up to five now. Oh,
2: they looked really good in the first half of that game yeah. against the Dolphins, I must yep. say.
1: I'm just trying to make sure I'm compliant with my two teams coming up. are oh, the Rabbitohs are in the in the bin for me. They're they're in big trouble in my mind. Rabbits
2: in the bin. I thought you were big on the Rabbits. I was.
1: I just I'm, – I'm not feeling it now. There seems to be big a bit Campbell Graham guy. And, but, no, Campbell Graham, Tyrone Munro, um, you know, Jack Whiten's out for the first couple of weeks and they're going to be disrupted with origin. Uh, Sean Kepi, you know, if you're, you're trusting your, your year's success to Sean Kepi, you're in big trouble. I just, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm just, I'm down on the rabs of, um, I've cooled on them a lot. So, just quietly. Um, all right, we're going to get through the last couple of guys here. Nick Chotty. Ryan, your man yep. Nick Cholly,
0: <laughs> yeah, the the chop man. Yeah, um, if he's named to start, he'll be in my side. He's just very cheap. He, the bar's set very yep. low for him here. Um, only needs to average high twenties. I think you can even push that into the yep. into the low thirties, low to mid thirties. Yep. Um, scored a good try today. It's yeah, he's a he's a, yeah. got the job position. He's just a walk up. Uh, slide him in your emergencies if he's starting.
1: Yeah, we we were strongly, staunchly anti Chotty last year. Um, but like he was priced in the like you know mid to high twenties last year, and he's he's not this year. He's in the nineteen. So, jump on if he's named. If he's not named, don't jump on. Pretty simple. Uh, couple of last little guys here. Some probably some guys that probably deserve more conversation than what we're going to be able to do at an hour and they f- are Two hours and fifteen minutes in the pod. Rhys Robson, uh, obviously last year. Uh, started really, really hot. Um, I think he opened the year with a five-game average of like 60-something and was like pushing Harry Grant for the number one hooker and then like sort of went into a, like a fairly poor middle part of the year up until Origin, like 46 or something like that. And then average from from when he got selected from Origin onwards, averaged 39, which is an absolute dumpster fire. But to start the year, the Cowboys obviously no buys. He's going to play the first 12 rounds in a row and then maybe get selected for Origin, maybe doesn't. There's a new coach there, so we have no idea what they're going to do. But, I mean, he, prior to Origin, had an average of 53, uh, which would be a five-point value on where he currently is at. Uh, and that seems to be enough for me to get some value out of him. If you want to go a third hooker, if you are going the two-hooker build, I'm happy with Brandon Smith and the Lussick slash hands, Eels guy. If you're going for a third guy, I think Robson's the way to go, though, Ryan. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I took Robson out of my side this afternoon, though. Um, maybe I'm just overreacting to to a one-game sample. I just okay. didn't really like what I saw in the trial. Like it just it sort of reminded me a little bit of what we saw last year. Like he was racking up a lot of negatives. Um, he certainly got that in his game. Uh, yeah, so I think I'm probably just going to run with the Lassic cheese strat. But yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't hate Robson I just yeah he's just scared me off a little bit
1: yeah he's just given you the um I don't know if you're a big how I met your mother fan when you see the like you know it's just not the right time right now you know and they just leave him on the hook for a little bit you know he's like Robson you're like it's like you are not, you're not the right hook for me right now but you might be later
0: exactly
2: yeah perfect all right
1: Rob, any additional thoughts to that, or you want to go onto the uh, the Rabbitohs middle forwards?
2: Ooh, I'm pretty keen on your Murray takes.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to give you Tavita Totola then. So Tavita Tautola just slightly more highly owned than Cameron Murray. So Tavita Totola, obviously, poor year last year, affected by a early season HIA. If I'm not mistaken, first game, I think he played one minute. Uh, that sounds correct, but I'm sure if that it's not correct. People correct me and or, you know, forgive me for being, you know, two and a half hours into the podcast and not remembering every single game. Oh, yeah, one meal, one point. How good am I? One minute, one point, baby. Woo! Um, But, I mean, outside of that, he did have the medial ligament injury, which I assume happened in round six because he went off after 29 minutes for 19 points, didn't come back. I think he limped around for a little bit, came back in round nine and played the bulk of the rest of the season, but was fairly unimpressive um massively down on attacking stats up demerits down in base uh 35 and 43 minutes he's pretty close to a ppm guy a lot of the time he's kind of a 0.9 ppm dude that's that was way down on that minutes were down obviously just with the one-in-one he deserves a look just based on that and i mean we were talking about him last year um i mean uh Rob, I don't know, don't know if you remember, Intern Dale wrote a, a Pro Totola Buy article last year when he started in the low 600s. So mm-hmm. I feel like he's another one of those Ruben Cotter-type guys where we're considering him at a much higher price. He's now here. Um, and, you know, we've sort of seen the absolute worst that can happen, and it seems like a, a, maybe a no-brainer to slot him in.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. I think he's another guy that I haven't really touched he's just been in my mids most of the offseason and yeah for good reason for everything you've said it's uh his ppm's really good um his minutes we think are going to be fairly consistent 45 to 50 kind of um given their squad composition this year and i uh, don't really think anyone's really beating down the door to steal that many minutes off him really um we'll talk about You'll talk about Murray later, but his role yeah. seems pretty cut out, carved out, um, and yeah, I don't know. It's not going to be super enjoyable, but there's a clear path to ten to twelve points of value for me.
1: Yeah, it feels like Ryan that eight points of value is kind of the downside for Totola here, and and you know, like heaven forbid something happened to Murray or something like that. It's it's astronomical, or even Tom Burgess, but yeah, he seems to be a uh, forty-five to fifty minutes. 43 to 45-ish average sort of dude every day of the week.
0: Yeah, low downside, upsides there. Um, Yeah, he's been in my squad since the game opened pretty much. Um, And, yeah, just looks like a prime candidate for a bounce-back year. I don't think much more needs to be said.
1: Perfect. All right, we'll move on to Cameron Murray, my boyfriend. If I was going to have a boyfriend, I'd like it to be Cameron Murray. He's at 10.54% ownership, uh, far too low in my opinion. Uh, Cameron Murray, I was pretty hot on him last year uh, as a, uh, a guy to start with and captain in lieu of captaining Nathan Cleary in round one, a good friend of the show, Cooper, who we mentioned two, over two hours ago when we were discussing this. Uh, he, uh, he he started with Cameron Murray, captained him the first couple of rounds, waited till Cleary got through the buy. Couple of tough games, bought him in right before Captain Cleary got his hundred, which was a great, great option. And I mean, you know, I'm not advocating doing this year, that this year at all because it doesn't seem to make sense with the teams and the players that are available. But Murray, uh, if you have a look at his, and I'm going to go to 55 plus minutes here, so this is pretty generous and on the downside. last three years in a row, his average is 63.4, 67.2 and 60.4 the last three years running where he played at least 55 minutes. Now, anyone that doesn't think that Cameron Murray is going to play 55 minutes between now and State of Origin every single week, you know, short of injury, I think is setting an unrealistic expectation for his role. I think he's a 70-minute guy. Um, So if you look at those... Uh, projections there, he averaged 67.8, 71.2 and 70.5 minutes across those scores. So even when he was poor last year, quote unquote poor last year, he averaged 60.4 in 70.5 minutes and that's really close to what I think his role is going to be. So he's priced at 57. I think there's a clear three points of value but then even from there, if you just isolate his 2021 20, 22 and ignore the 2023 numbers there. Um, it's you know, I, I'm sort of across lock, back row, and bench here. But if you just look at the lock row, lock starts there, it's 62.3 and 68.4 minutes, which is just you know, that's bang on what I'm sort of expecting now. Obviously. With the news to tell us, Duncan's been training exclusively in the middle. Jairo's playing on the edge. I'm expecting Murray to pop out onto that edge for 15 minutes, 20 minutes a game, but he's going to play the other 50 to 60 minutes in the middle. He's going to be a 70 to 80-minute player every single week. The Rabbitohs are going to be a fringe top eight team this year. They're going to be pushing. um, And, you know, I know there's been some discussion about um, the Rabbitohs slowly killing Cameron Murray by playing in big minutes. But, Ryan, I put this question to you. Isaiah Yeo plays almost 80 minutes every single week. What is the difference between Isaiah Yeo playing almost 80 minutes every single week and Cameron Murray doing it?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, not much, I suppose, other than um, Cameron Murray is a little bit more athletic of a player, but that said, Yeo still gets his run meters in. So yeah, I don't think it should make too much of a difference. Um, I, I tend to agree with you. Obviously I, Prefer Hopgood for a couple of different reasons, but I, I just yeah I, I I agree. He does look like he's got a few points of value there, and looks a handy alternative. I guess the the downside is he will play Origin. You'll probably have to get rid of him in round twelve or uh, round thirteen rather.
1: Yeah, and I mean I, I'm okay with that because I mean it gives me a really good opportunity to have a really close look at who the other options are at that point to see sort of what the available guys are. But I mean, if you look at Murray since 2020, so 2021 to 2020, 2020 to 2023 inclusive, uh, agnostic position, so back row, lock, mid, edge, whatever it is, he's got a 45 game sample where in games where he plays at least 65 minutes, he averages 64.3 and 74 minutes. There's absolutely no reason he can't do that this year. Price at 57. You look at Hopgood, he's priced at 61. So I mean, you know, we were talking last like, you know, it feels like three hours ago, about Hopgood and what his uh, potential upside could be. Um, there's no reason that that doesn't exist for Murray. Murray and Hopgood are almost identical players. Um, you know, their, their premiership aspirations are similar. Their team structure quite similar. Obviously, Demetrio uses his bench a little bit more, but, I mean... If we're going to play Hopgood and Isaiah Yo and Pat Carrigan and all these blokes for 70-plus minutes a game, there's no reason why Cameron Murray can't do it as one of the leading middle forwards in the competition. And and for me, he feels like a walk-up three to five points of value, an easy vice-captain option. Um, he's, you know, he's going to be available pending injury for a, a big-minute role when Cleary's on the bye, just looking to who, see who they play in round six. They play the Sharks, which should be a nice competitive game where uh, where Cleary's, not Cleary, where Murray's asked to play big minutes. And, Rob, does that uh, suffice for a, a, a Murray uh, circle joke fest?
2: Yeah, it was pretty nice. It's, I'm just thinking we, we all started with him and he was 900K last year, right? And what's really changed... Nothing. Mm, it's just 120K in, cheaper. Yeah. That's it. I think that's and they've probably got, what, they I got to, less, what I have to... They
1: got, everybody's a year older. Um, they added Sean Keppy. <laughs> no, nothing.
2: Yeah, that's just what we have to grapple with. Maybe we... Yeah, I, I think I just have slight demons from starting with him and him just watching him slowly get... Less and less, uh, lose more and more money um, over the course of the season. And then I did buy him back at some point when he was fairly cheap. But um, yeah, I think he's a phenomenal player. I just, yeah, I just need to have some, do some calcs on on Hopgood versus Murray, I think.
1: Yeah, you definitely don't want to own him over the origin period. Like straight up, you don't want to own him over the
2: origin period. No, no. You want to
1: take him, you want to ride him all the way up, and then you want to trade into Hopgood or, you know, Jack DeBellin or whoever else that you're buying or or you hold him depending on how your buy planning's going but I mean you know you look at the attack here last year 2020 uh, was kind of a like a weirdly low year but I mean 2019 even if you look at that 16.7 percent attack uh, sorry 16.7 points in attack 2021 16.1 points in attack 2022 17.8 and then he was down at 13 under 13 points last year so there's Obviously, the Rabbitohs had a pretty tough year with the injuries to Latrell and sort of, you know, adjusting to the coaching changes and all that sort of stuff. I think there's upside to that. It wouldn't shock me to see Murray as the third highest averaging player this year in the 65 range. I don't, I'm not going to project that for him, but it wouldn't surprise me. Is the is the gist. And I only get so excited about Murray and talk that much about him because the last guy that we need to talk about today. Oh, oh no, second last guy. <laughs> oh, no, Jaden Burrell, we're going to go over. Do the Manu dummy half-scoot. He's, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, in one of those guys, 230K. Oh, he's just a placeholder type guy. Get rid of him. Roger, two of us Sheck. He's crept up to 10% ownership. He's going to play in the centers this year. He's only eligible at wing fullback at the moment. He's going to go to Jules, 619K, which is a break even of 45. Rob, I'm going to let you finish talking about Roger, but Ryan, I'm going to let you start talking about Roger. There's been some talk about him getting the Joey Manu roaming center role. Chances he out for the first couple of weeks. He's very involved. He's registered a massive fantasy score in the trial. Is it? Can we tempt you into a Roger? As a, as a head-to-head player, particularly where they play every single head-to-head matchup.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd be lying if I, if I wasn't a little bit tempted. As someone who's been, like, trying to squeeze, like, Val Holmes into my centres for that main reason that he doesn't have a buy before Origin, um, and Tuvasashek has all of that, plus he doesn't play Origin at all. Uh, he's looked very good in the trials. I, I keep trying to, like, temper myself by, like, You know, like he was playing the Dolphins. Like, just calm down. You know, it's it's not a very they're not a defensive powerhouse. He played the Tigers the week before that. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. You know, he's got Sharks in Melbourne to start the year. Not the not the toughest, but not the he's not the best either. Um, But yeah, look, I'd be lying if I said he didn't look phenomenal in the trials, and he's certainly playing more than just your typical centre role. So I, I wouldn't begrudge anyone wanting to take a punt on him in round one.
1: Rob, how excited are you, mate? What talk to me about it?
2: Yeah, it was it was so good in the first half, wasn't it? It's just seeing him um, have free reign and just getting involved. I think his stats were a little bit inflated because um, Tane got a cork, I think, and then Roger went to the back, and it was just he just looked so much in control back there. It was just it was like he'd never left, but where we put some damp or on that when he said that he would be still playing center uh, and that Tain, you know, would have played through if it was a proper NRL game. But um, yeah, that said, I just think that he could, it just could be anything, right? Like I just don't, there's no stats. He's never played center before. So it could be 40. He could be 40. He could be Dane Gaga. He could have a Dane Gaga type season. Uh, he mm-hmm. could be Manu, but oh, it's pretty exciting. It's just, can yeah? Do you, it? I've got. I would begrudge no one for starting with him. I just. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. I love him so much. He's such a phenomenal player, but.
0: Mm.
2: I just like. I like seeing some some stats. You know, it's it's my heart says yes, yeah. but my my brain says no.
1: Yeah, I, I can tell you're trying to sell into Hull Hulk KR right now. I'm, I'm not.
2: Off the I think. I think he <laughs> is going to be phenomenal. <laughs>
1: No, um, I'm just wrestling you, Jimmy's mate. Yeah, yeah. No, they, I mean, they, they we're man. not having they a little bit of fun now. What are we doing?
2: Yeah. Uh, no. Oh god, it's going to be a good season. It's going to be a good season. It's just. Oh, I almost don't want the moral panic of owning him, and you know, in fantasy, I just, I just want to watch him.
1: Sorry. I went to. Uh, I just did a little bit of a magic trick, and I went to Spotify to just check and see if this is our longest ever episode that we've recorded. Oh.
0: This one might need to be two parts.
1: No, there's no way it's gonna be two parts.
0: <laughs> no one's gonna to listen to all of this. No, it's gotta be No.
1: I was talking to um good friend of the show, Matt Pickering. Welcome Matt Pickering if you're still listening. And um okay. he used to listen to the podcast on his commute, but he's just moved down to Southeast Queensland and he now lives forty-five seconds from the uh from his work and he's telling me he's he's struggling to get the pot in because he doesn't have time to listen on the commute. But two and a half hours. I mean, we've recorded some absolute four years
2: to listen to this podcast.
1: (laughs) We've recorded some absolute whoppers, and I'm not saying anything that long. So I'm really happy with this voice. I think we've done really, really well here. I think it's. I think it's. Is do you think it's possible that we've done 152 minutes and counting and given no incorrect advice? Absolutely. Yeah. It's on brand. It's on brand. Brand. It's on brand.
0: All right. No worries. Same one time we've given incorrect advice. Okay.
1: Now, for those of you that are still listening. Have you joined the overall league? I think that you have, because if you haven't, but you're still listening, we've got a larger problem on our hands. But um, all right, jump in seven N three T two Y P Z. Uh, you can also follow all of our social medias: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, X, TikTok, wherever else you get your social medias. Uh, jump on the uh, the buy me a beer. It's actually buy me a coffee slash NRL fantasy amateurs. Uh, If you like to have a little flutter, you can uh, support us by signing up to Picklebet. Uh, Use code amateurs when you sign up to uh, support the show. Uh, If you do that, just remember to uh, set a deposit limit and keep in mind that uh, more than likely you're about to lose, unless you're betting on Zach Lomax, total point scorer. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but
2: too late now. (laughs) The odds are... uh... You're only getting... uh... You're only getting $14 on it now. The right? so
1: short. The answer's so short. <laughs> now, 101 into 40. If That's not an advertisement for listening to, like, dribble, I don't think, dribble no, in the I've preseason. Made I've so, I don't know what is. I saw it in the 20s. I saw it in the 20s. I had to laugh. But they're only giving me $116 for my $50 bet, which I'm still happy with. But I'm not as happy as what I would be if it was, like, the right amount. But, um... Anyway, no, that's good. Good stuff. Um, yeah, we obviously work our bag out putting content up onto the podcast and on the website. Um I if I had to put a number on the amount of hours that have been spent generating the uh the website to make it ready for you guys to easily access projections and teams and uh, all that sort of forward rotations, it would just be, you know, it'd be in the hundreds of hours. So, you know, uh, it's, uh, I hope, we hope you're really enjoying the podcast so far. Obviously, we've got a lot more stuff to come. We've got the the podcast, P O D podcast, which, um, you know, might be fading into excu- obscurity as the game theory of uh, high ownership is, is good goes. But I mean, I, I'll, I'll ask you boys as we go on along. Out of the uh out of the team that you've got right now, how many players of your of your team did we discuss today? Mine's at sixteen of twenty-one. Do you know?
0: I gotta pull my team back up. Uh <laughs> one, two, three, four, four. Seven.
1: Rob's gone to bed because it's three AM in New Zealand right now. <laughs>
0: I don't know, a, a decent amount. Yeah,
1: 15 or 16 or 21, thereabouts. I think should be yes. about right.
0: Let's say Yeah, that. I think that's right.
1: Let's say that. Yeah, it should be a couple of guys. There's some really nice options that we haven't discussed yet, which we'll discuss on the podcast, which is the uh, the lower ownership selections. Uh, NRL Physio, we're going to try to get him on this week. He's um, battling with a bout of the man flu, so hopefully once he's uh, recovered from that, we'll be able to get him on. We're going to have TLT round one, TLT round two. We're going to have – I hope that's it. Maybe there's no more. That'll be it, surely now. You guys are going to still be listening to this, like, round three, I'm sure. But uh, (laughs) I think that'll do us for today. Mm. Boys, Rob, any closing thoughts?
2: No, that's it. Up the waz. Up the waz. Up the amateurs. Um, Thanks for listening to us all off-season, and we're looking forward to a proper team list on Tuesday. I cannot wait. Woo!
1: Up the wires, up the amateurs. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Any closing thoughts?
0: Nah, I'm hungry. I'm gonna go have dinner. All
1: right. Thank you, listeners. We appreciate you. We'll see you for the podcast. Love you guys. This show was brought to you by our good friends at Picklebet. You can support the show by changing your regular bookmaking provider to Picklebet and using the code Amateurs on your first deposit to let them know where we found you. Make sure to set a deposit limit because chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.